Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Dave AC and the Sixth Doctor. Dave AC in the chair of episode 91 of the Coltham Collective. Topic title, Before There Were Superheroes, There Were Heroes. And it's going out on Sunday the 27th of March 2011. And I'm giving that date for posterity because uh, recently we've been uh, just tweeting about past episodes of the show. So I don't know whether you're listening to the show uh, instantly live with us, whether you're going to be listening to it in a few days' time, or indeed you're on your honeymoon on the way to the moon and you've decided to listen to some historic podcast. And though, here we are. Uh, I'm sans Ian today. Yes, there is is no monster in the torture room. Uh, Sorry, Ian. He's out directing another rabble of people instead of keeping order here. And he was needed desperately because uh, Dave inserted his foot into his mouth, luckily somewhat before the recording started, but on air I apologised to Darth Charlie P79 and another person who I may well have given a little bit of a spoiler, sorry, a very large spoiler to, to an episode of a subject of a topic which I shall now seal my lips on. And as I just speak, let me just uh, allow chat. Oh, and that's Mike Randall Thor having trouble getting in. Okay, well, before I witter on for too long, let me welcome into the uh, room those people on mic. And the first person I'm going to welcome, I'm going to let him just give a little advert for a show that he's got on later because he doesn't know how long he can stay with us. And that is Torchu's own Mr. Logan. Hi, Logan. Good evening, Colton Collective. How are you guys today? Fine. It's great to have you on. And just breaking with precedent, uh, although we'd certainly let you talk about the show, because of limited time, do you want to just uh, tell people what's happening later today? No problem. Well, as most people know, I host the Media Outsiders, which is every Sunday night, 9 p.m. Central Time, 10 o'clock Eastern, talk show ID 81865. Tonight I have a very special guest. His name is James Arnold Taylor. If you like video games, if you like uh cartoons, stuff like that, you've heard his voice. He is the star of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, as Obi-Wan Kenobi. He was the voice of Titus in the Final Fantasy video game series and about 150 other projects. So he's going to be with us for about the first half hour tonight. 
I've been trying for a year to get them, finally got them, and we're excited about it tonight. Good, good. Glad for that. And also in the room, we have uh, Mr. T. Jory. Hi, Tim. Uh, hi, Dave. After getting an awful lot of exercise in London yesterday to get to the Doctor Who experience. Oh, right. Um, it it well, was well worth, well worth going to see, though. Right, well, I'll ask you about that um, after after news, if I may. Um, let's go on down the line. We've got Charlie P79. How are you, Charlie? I hope you're feeling well. Are you comfortable yes, with this, well. Charlie? Can, oh, is there anything I can do for you? <laughs> <laughs> Not right now. Well, thanks, anyway. Are you sure? Yes, thank you. Well, just just ask, and I'm at your beck and call for the rest of the program. <laughs> <clears throat> and Mr. Dale, sceptical, the same applies to you. How can I help you, sir? Can I polish your uh, surfboard, if that's not a euphemism? I think it is a euphemism, but uh, I'm doing just fine. Thanks a lot, Dave. Okay. And apologies again. And uh, let's have a look. I think uh, we have to see who's under the cone. Controls, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? I just realised I don't work right. I wonder why I bother in the first place. And we've got in the room, Cybob. We've got Ben, and I don't think that's the same Ben who sent his apologies today. Ben Presenter who said he couldn't make it, but you're most welcome, Ben. And we've got Willis Girl, who uh, has been a recent uh, member of uh, the fan club of uh, Mr. Mike Randall-Thor, who's not quite yet joined us. And it is a different Ben. Thank you for putting that in. Who joined us on uh, Mike's quiz, and that is the um, oh Radio Free Camelin, which I uh, will give out, since I mentioned it, I ought to give out his show ID. Um, he does a quiz, uh, and it's getting back to Friday nights, and that is Radio Free Camelin, and the talk show ID is 72402, and... Um, the last one went out on Friday, and you'll have to listen to it to find out who won in that event. But it was nice to have Willis Girl as one of the players. Okay, um, well, we're going to go for news, but there's only a few people in the room with news. Again, if you're listening to this later, uh, we usually take uh, quite some time on news. We're going to be a little bit shorter, I think, today. But we are going to talk about one or two things from Doctor Who before we get on to our main topic. So, Tim, do you want to take us with news? Uh, yes, well, there's um, it's sort of all Doctor Who-y and... No, you don't. This no, week. you don't. No, no don't you I don't. I want to take you with news. You want to say, David, you've made a mistake. Where's the monkey? Oh, yeah. Where, where's the monkey? Why have we not let him out of the cage yet? What type of monkey go? Because I'm running yeah. the show. That's right. Sorry, I am failing to run the show. And, and that, that's Charlie that should have reminded you anyway. <laughs> anyway, we're about to talk it, I'll talk about it in a minute, but I'll mention it briefly so I can put a link in chat, and that's that uh, the hype machine is rolling for season six of uh, the revived Doctor Who, and it's covered over there on sfx.co.uk that they ran a uh, two-minute prequel to the first episode, uh, The Impossible Astronaut, 
and uh, so it sort of whetted people's appetites and uh, got people thinking about it. And then uh, the other Doctor Who related news story is uh, something that's uh, they've announced now, but you won't actually be able to buy it until next year, and that's that they're finally going to novelise uh, the incomplete uh, late 70s story, Sharda. Still the only Doctor Who story to be filmed in my hometown. I think they've lost the map to East Anglia. They don't get much further across the country these days. But uh, finally, uh, in news is, um, well, they've other hype machine that is rolling at the moment is for something we won't see till the summer, and that's the tortured miracle day. They released a poster art over at the Stars Channel this week, uh, which consists of the Earth has a sort of grenade about to blow up. Tortured Miracle Day and July 8th, 2011 stars. It's, it's quite simple and, well, very eye-catching, really. That's about all on the news front, Dave. Hello? I'm not oh, hearing anything. Oh, here we are. You can me now. Are you hearing me? Yeah, you were breaking up a yeah. bit, but I can hear you now. Yeah, um, uh, Mike Randerforce tried three times to get in, I believe yourself did, so um, perhaps just a little bit of issue there. Uh, there was some delay on my text as well, so uh, maybe it's uh, very busy. But uh, let's go on. Um, yeah, there's, uh, the Dot2 News uh, .net site is certainly ramping up with the various items coming out. Of course, the new series of Dot2 will be starting on the 23rd of April, both in America and the UK. Uh, we now know the title of the first episode, The Impossible Astronaut. But just before we go on to a little short discussion of the prequel that's been put out, uh, there's this also, from the Doctor News site, more information about the Revisitations 2 box set and uh, some nice little clips there of some of the extras that are on showing um, things from the various pieces there and uh, basically almost too much news to list um and there's a, there's some new uh, there's a lovely new wallpaper as well for the impossible astronaut with the doctor uh jamie uh, rory and amy reflected in the uh, helmet of this uh, supposed titular astronaut so uh, that is really uh, interesting and good. Okay, what we thought we'd do then is just spend a little time talking, and we gave Logan, just before we went to recording, uh, just the time to check out this 1 minute 54 second uh, prequel of The Impossible Astronaut, which takes place um, in a, co a phone conversation that is the Oval Office of the White House. And uh, very atmospheric it is, quite menacing, has echoes of the empty child with the tape recorder. Um, we're obviously not in present day White House times. Uh, it was well known, I believe, that um, President Nixon used to uh, have a tape recorder to record all the phone conversations in the Oval Office. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that this president is uh, uh, Richard Nixon, uh, impersonating Richard Nixon, but it's of that era i think so uh charlie do you want to just uh tell us what your thoughts on that little thing was well um 
I only watched once, but uh, yeah, he said it is very reminiscent of you know of uh, you know hearing the child's voice, reminiscent of Empty Child, Doctor Dances, and uh, you know it, it, it was it was kind of you know atmospheric. There was you know without the, the little the little um, of all the camera moves around the president and uh, him talking, and um, you know it's just, I, it just it was very odd for me. I don't know you know where they're gonna go from that to. Um, the first episode, but uh, I guess we'll only have to. Uh, we'll wait. We'll we'll find out next month. Did, did it whet your appetite? That's the point. Well, yeah, it got me curious of what what's what's going to go on, but um, all that, you know, it was just you know, it was, I guess it I guess it did its job as a as a as a teaser. Right, right, yeah, and. Uh, is that all you want to say on it? I mean, we don't need to be long. I mean, as we say, it was uh, oh, only good. a two-minute one. Although, in actual fact, at one point, I think uh, Mike, uh, Ian, and myself once did about a 40-minute program on a, a three-minute trailer once. So <laughs> it is possible to dwell on yes. these things. <laughs> okay, let me go to Darth. Darth, any thoughts on the little teaser prequel? Well, let's go to Logan, because Logan's just seen it, so his memories are fresher of it. Oh, yeah, good point, and uh, his time is limited to Logan. But, but you don't see now, so I don't know about that, but... No, I mean, I, yeah, I just watched it, and uh, I'm excited about it. I, I liked it. I thought it was a very well-done little clip there. I was under the impression, just looking at it, because uh, everyone knows that Nixon had a very distinguished nose, and the character ha- looks like he has the same bout nose, so I was just under the assumption that it was Nixon. And yeah, I, it looks I just... I just thought it was a little funny line there. There are no monsters in the Oval Office, and a lot of people thought Nixon was a monster. So, so I mean, that all just connected with me thinking this had to be Nixon. But I'm I'm excited about it. I like the the dark tones and everything, and I can't wait for Easter. Yeah, uh, I, I think whoever the actor was, they they picked that particular angle to perhaps. Uh, make his uh, likeness even more apparent. I mean, uh, and, and the thing why it may well be Nixon, that turned out to be Nixon, is that when we've had uh, uh, Prime Ministers played in Doctor Who, we, we actually had, um, you know, Winston Churchill portrayed. So they, they didn't make it a, fict, a fictional Prime Minister. It was Winston Churchill portrayed. So if this is going to be set in some historic period of American history, um, they're not going to do what they do on many films, have some sort of fictional president or have some sort of uh, president-elect or whatever. Well, I mean, when, so, you're, when you're dealing with a time-traveling show, I mean, pretty much you have to, you have to show historical people in a way, or else you're just going to say that it's a completely alternate universe then. Yeah, good point, good point. Uh, so again, the, so it, it certainly whetted your appetite for the upcoming season. Uh, it more like just poured a bucket over it and just drowned me with it instead of just wetting it. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, I'll go to Darth and hope that Willis Girl might be able to try and get in on audio soon for us. Uh, Darth? Well, I think Logan's brought up an interesting point uh, that bears a little bit of examination uh, in that we would assume that a, a show that's about a time traveler would in fact uh, always use real historical figures. Uh, but we that's not really true about Doctor Who. Uh, I mean, yes, we have it fairly clear within Doctor Who chronology that Margaret Thatcher is you know, somebody who existed that 
Wilson existed. Um, Callahan existed. You know, so Margaret Thatcher is about the point where we stop having real uh, British prime ministers. Uh, you, you mean Saxon's not real? I know, or or indeed his successor. I mean, obviously the Penelope Wilton character, um, uh, and there might even be somebody between Penelope Wilton's character and um, the uh, the Saxon character, and certainly whoever comes after Saxon is not Cameron, you know. Um, the and we don't even know that you know uh, Blair existed, although many people think that Blair is the prime minister that was killed in series one. But it's not very clear that that's who that is that we see the body of because the body's face down, um, and and of course you know during part of the Russell T Davies era, the U.S. president is clearly not George Bush. Um, during some parts, it's Obama. I mean, the very you know end of time, the very last episode, we come back to reality, and there it's Obama. But we we certainly know it's not George Bush, unfortunately, who got killed in. Um, you know, uh, Last of the Time Lords, that sort of storyline. But th- so, so there is this sort of fudging in Doctor Who history about recent people. Maybe it'll be a real person. Maybe it won't be a real person. But I think I'm, I'm with Logan in this. It's clearly Richard Nixon. I mean, it can't be anybody else. And unfortunately, that is a little bit bad for me because I was holding out hope that it was going to be LBJ. Um, because, you know, this episode is what little bit we've known about it that's come across through um, official sources, because that's really all I've ever read, is, you know, late 60s, U.S. president, there will be a visit to the Oval Office. So I was kind of hoping it'd be LBJ. Um, But there's no way you can watch this little trailer and think it is anybody other than Richard Nixon. I didn't at all get the vibe of um, The Empty Child. I see it now that you've said it. But I certainly didn't get it because what I thought was, hello, the the little tape recorder, that's, that means it's Richard Nixon. Uh, I, I didn't see the vibe really immediately to uh, Empty Child, but I loved it. I thought it was a, you know, it was very atmospheric. It was very well directed. There was a sense of urgency and pace about it. Uh, there was a sense of spookiness. And, I, I, you know, the, the curious thing for me is the very last shot where Nixon reclines in his chair after hanging up the phone. Mm and doesn't seem to be bothered by the fact that the alien is not behind him, it's beside him. Yeah. Um, so it's well within his peripheral vision, one would assume. Uh, so that's what's got me excited, is that Nixon is in league with aliens, um, which, you know, would be great. I mean, I hope that we get a fully evil Richard Nixon. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was two things there. I mean, uh does the alien eat his dog? Uh, Lyndon uh, LBJ, of course, is Lyndon Johnson, uh, just in mm. case there's some yeah. non-American aficionados in the room. Um, the the thing why I think I also got more of an echo from The Empty Child because I was having difficulty um, deciding when I first heard the voice whether that was a young boy's voice. And, of course, the, uh, the, the, the speaker then says, young lady or something. Uh, right. Because, obviously, he refers to the fact that this is not the first time the call has been made. Sure. Um, so, so, at first, I thought it was a young boy. And then the other thing was, of course, when the tape's going round. I know it sounds silly, and, and as uh, I've actually used reel-to-reel tapes, I do know you have that sort of two inches of tape sticking up where you uh, mm. you thread the tape into the the empty wheel and wrap it round for it to loop right. in. 
but you get that sort of uh, noisy effect as the tape whirls about, and and, mm-hmm. and so it gave that look. But you, when, you're right when he sort of set back. And the my, the nice thing about the narrow folks they used, uh, mm-hmm. you sort of had to do a double take. Was that sort of a bald headed man in the background, or was it indeed an Area 51 type alien? Right. Um, just momentarily. And, uh, yeah, we've got all the hallmarks of, you know, is he now a puppet president and somebody else, dancing to somebody else's tune? Um, and it certainly cr- crammed an awful lot. Even the very first part, um, again, if you're not from uh, the United States, you may not immediately have recognised the out-of-focus eagle that the camera uh, goes on to. But when I first saw it, I thought it was E.T.'s hand. Yeah, that that actually bothered me because I don't. If this is supposed to be Nixon, I'm not sure that's. I'm almost positive that's not the right eagle. That's not the right. Nixon Oval Office eagle. There's been more than one. <laughs> oh yeah, every president has their own eagle. Yeah, it's they the American administration. I didn't realize it changed so often. I know they oh, changed the desk as well. Yeah, the, the Oval Office completely changes, and I, and I've noticed before in the. In the um, uh, the sort of trailer that we got at the end of A Christmas Carol, the thing that immediately jumped out at me is the desk is wrong. Uh, right. th- that's not the resolute desk. No way. So, right. I mean, there's some there are some period things that are a little bit wrong here in the in the design, but you know there are some things that are are neat. I mean, like the the outer hallway. I mean, that was neat that they they took the time to actually make that the Oval Office exterior. You know, and therefore it is, you know, oval. Um, it's it's not perfect, but it certainly is better than a lot of even American productions do at sort of trying to capture the Oval Office feel. And, and you know that that's where you are. I didn't much like, I hated the very beginning. I thought that the tracking shot on the Oval Office was just cheesy. And Well, they couldn't afford to, yeah, they, they were just driving by in a car, weren't they? Right. I mean, it was just like, what? Well, come on, you, you can do better Cheap. than this. <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't match the rest of the the piece. You know, the rest of the piece is very, you know, angular, very stylized uh, angles, and, and then you have this very generic, almost sitcommy. Um, <laughs> a bit of a news, that, a that of a news clip they got free, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was terrible. But you know, another thing that was great about this, and that is worth mentioning, I think, is the fact that this is on iPlayer, but not globally locked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, which makes sense because, you know, America is showing it the same day. America paid for it. So they they are opening it up unlike what they've done in the past. Yeah. I mean, well, the conspiracy me... among us would argue the reason why they change everything in the Oval Office is that they want to make sure there's no bugs in the uh, in what was left in there. And in the is it the National Treasure film or whatever? They actually make a point of being a hidden uh, drawer in the uh, president's desk, don't they? Oh yeah, uh, National Treasure Two. The, 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 yeah, the Nicolas Cage film. Yeah, go on, Logan. Well, I was going to say, I mean, and you guys have seen many more Doctor Who promos and clips than I have since I've only been watching it with since Eccleston. Uh, but do you think it was a a good, effective clip for not showing the Doctor at all? I mean, the whole thing was Nixon and our our little guest in the Oval Office. I thought that was well done. That. I mean, until pretty much the ending clip where it says Doctor Who will return, you didn't know that it was going to be a Doctor Who uh, episode. Well, 
Well, it's a bit like Victory of the Daleks, didn't that? Wasn't the prequel for that in the, the actual war room uh, with the, um, you know, Winston Churchill getting the phone? and uh, talk, So there was some echoes of that, I think. This, is the, this will actually be run, running as the part of the prequel, if not all of the prequel. I, I would assume. I, was, I didn't think that at all. I didn't think that this was part no, of the episode. Neither did I. I, I. They're being promoted as a separate entity. Yeah, I thought this was a TARDIS Currently really? a discussion yeah. going on as to a bit like the TARDIS will we ever get to see them released in their own right on the right, DVDs? So you don't think that, the TARDIS that certainly never made it on. Right, so you don't think that's going to be the pre-credit? Oh, no. Oh, well, then, again... It was actually they're, they're... released as a bit of news that there are... I can't remember how many, but there's like about two or three of these throughout the season as little teasers for upcoming episodes. Yeah. We should perhaps mention now, since it's been so long since there's been a TARDISode, what a TARDISode is. And it, it was a thing done only for season two. It was a little experiment that they tried uh, during the first tenant season to um, deliver content to a to your mobile phone that was just a you know a little trailer like this, 30 seconds or a minute or something like that, that didn't at all use the doctor and only one of them used anybody that was sort of close to that. I think there was one done with Mickey Smith, but by and large it was guest actors within the show who were doing something that amplified or explained the beginning of a particular episode. And they did, you know, one for every one of those episodes. So there are 13 TARDIS shows, but they never got released anywhere. They, you can still get them on the BBC website if you know the exact address to use, but you really have to dig for it. And it's in like real player format, you know, because this is something that is now four years old. It's relatively old technology, but uh, you can still find them and you can, you can more easily, I think, find them on YouTube if you look, but uh, this is very much in that vein. Although, the difference here is that they are not at all pretending to release them to mobile phones. This is just straight up. We're putting it onto the the internet and you can find it. There you go. Right. Uh, well, we've got Willis girl in the room. That's she's trying to come on audio, but uh, she has put a couple of questions in the text. So I'll read the first one that she put and hope that she'll get on audio by the time we get to any further ones. Um, uh, love seeing the gray that appeared in the suit at the end. By the way, why are the greys wearing suits? I'm not sure what that means. Anybody want to? Well, because, I mean, have you? would you want to see a naked alien? I mean, come on now. <laughs> Aliens have some moral sense, too. Um, perhaps to distance them from the men in black. <laughs> well, and we don't know that they're the greys. I don't think, I mean, it, I don't know. I've not been trying to, I've not been keeping up with rumors at all, but we don't know that they are, in fact, that species. I'm, I'm, just sitting, I'm just sitting thinking here. I mean, we now have an answer to how Nixon really broke in at Watergate. He was beamed in. <laughs> okay. Um, anybody else? I, I just want to stay on this topic for uh, this part just for a minute or so long. Just see if Willis Girl can get on. Uh, Tim, any, any, anything else that's sprung to your mind well, since hearing the other talk? The only other thing to mention this week was that they released a uh, what the BBC themselves called a, I can't remember if they called this a publicity shot or an iconic image which in itself caused some debate but oddly they seem to release a couple of different versions of it and uh, one of them 
had this alien that's seen in the prequel in it in the background and another one didn't have it there so whether whether it's a case of marketing it one way on one side of the Atlantic and another way on this side of the Atlantic, or whether it literally was a mistake and something slipped out they didn't intend to slightly earlier, I don't know. But um, it, it, either way, it was not remotely spoilerish because it simply fitted in with this, this prequel, which, personally, I was quite... I th- it was interesting enough, but it, it still makes me look at the calendar and go... Oh, we've got about a month to wait yet. Okay. So, um, the, we'll... the, on, the only other news on the publicity front is uh, the, I think it's Tuesday they're going to be running an actual full trailer as a follow-up to the tiny, teeny teaser trailer they ran this week that was so inconsequential there was nothing really in it. Right. I was mad at that that teaser. Yeah, was, we, we had like about a day or two of hype saying there will be a teaser, there will be a teaser, and you tune in. And I rushed downstairs to see it go out at nearly nine o'clock at night, and my brother said, oh, you've just missed it. And when I tracked it down, it's, it, it's like 15 seconds of... Bleh. But the thing is, it wasn't even 15 seconds, really, was it? It was, it Not was eight seconds, seconds yeah. and yeah. then seven seconds of closing music, and it was like... Uh, the thing is, you didn't even get to see the point, which is a gorgeous image, really. You know, of of Smith and the TARDIS being reflected into in the, the the visor of an astronaut, but it was only on screen for a fraction of a second, so you didn't even see it. I mean, there's teasing, and then there's doing something so brief that it doesn't achieve its ends at all. <laughs> you know, so I, you know, I'm glad that there is this, this follow up sort of prequel thing because the prequel thing. As Logan pointed out, you know that was more than appetite wedding, but the the teaser didn't tease because it's too short. Right, uh, and we have now got Willis girl on audio. So you want to try your audio? Oh yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Uh, you've heard what we've said, and you've made some comments on on the video. Uh, so we assume you've seen it. What did you think of it? Is it whetted your appetite? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely whetted my appetite. I can't wait for the uh, season to start. Excellent. Any any particular uh, visual part of it that you enjoyed or comment that you would want to make while you've got audio? Um, just the main thing I was excited about was seeing the uh, alien in the background towards the end of the teaser. Right, yes. And as now said, uh, the the uh, president didn't look perturbed at all, as though he was already aware of uh, what was behind him. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was excellent. Okay, um, there's just uh, one piece that I would just mention before we hear from Andy and, and then go on to our main subject. Not really news, but uh, it, it might interest and maybe even appease some members of Upset today. Um, if you're in the UK on BBC Two, 11 o'clock tonight, is um, a film infamous. Uh, the events surrounding the writing of Truman Capote's non-fictional novel In Cold Blood. Why do I mention it? Because it stars Toby Jones, who uh, played in Doctor Who, played against, uh, in fact, Matt Smith in the uh, Christopher Ishwood play that's been on recently. And, of course, he played in Amy's Choice as... Uh, well, I'm not going to say what he played, as a, accused of... Give another spoiler, but uh, 
I'm assuming that's the correct name, Toby Jones. Uh, playing the Truman Capote part, which he seems physically well suited to do so. Okay, let's hear from Andy before I gather my thoughts, pour myself some wine, and try and keep my foot out of my mouth. If you enjoy listening, why not join the collective and participate yourself? Or on TalkShoe, call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a SIP client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the Shoe phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. Okay, before we go on that, does uh, Darth, do you want to just explain what that text is going on about? Um, is that in relation to the what we've been talking about, or the Torchwood chat that's been going on? Sorry, Torchwood chat. What are you talking about? Well, that was mentioned. Torchwood. Uh, ben mentioned Torchwood earlier in the chat. I... So the, the the Toby Haynes thing. Oh, we were just. Wait a minute, I'm trying to get more back to look at Torch. What the hell? Yeah. Anyway, um... The Prime Minister, he reminds me of the Prime Minister in Torchwood. So oh, I'm that's... assuming whether we're referring to the Prime Minister in this prequel or to the one in Torchwood. No, no, no. That's from way back in the conversation where we were talking about whether um, Doctor Who, the Doctor Universe uses real modern politicians. And he's pointing out that in fact, yes, there is a even in Torchwood Children of Earth, there is yet another fictional prime minister uh, that's meant to be modern. So that that's separate from what we're talking about with Toby Haynes, which was we were we were just trying to track down who was the actual director of this little prequel. Ah. And uh, you know we were speculating it's it's got to be either Tony Haynes or Richard Senior, Richard Senior being what seems to be the the Stephen Moffat go to guy whenever he needs to do a short piece of video. Um, oh, good, good news for you on the Richard Senior front, um, Darth. I've got the program for the Doctor Who experience, and I look at the back, and all the Matt Smith segments were indeed directed by, by Richard, Richard Senior. Senior. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, he's he's well. I mean, this is it's great because this is one of the only signs that we have in. Uh, if you really study the credit list and you care about the people who, who make Doctor Who, Richard Senior is a little bit of a success story that really kind of came out of nowhere. He's the first success story of the, the, the Stephen Moffat era in that he started out as um, an assistant editor that wasn't really credited, uh, at least not in the broadcast run of Series 5, and then you know went on to direct a, a little bit of um, the, uh, the proms, uh, or, or I'm sorry, he edited the... Uh, the, the little feature that was in the, the 2010 proms and then went on to direct the National Awards uh, NTA sketch and then did Time and Space that we just saw last week for Comic Relief. So he's, he's, he's finally made it into, you know, you can call him now a Doctor Who director, which maybe you couldn't have done last year. So it's nice if you follow these uh, the credits to see people who are, are making their way up the ranks and, and becoming more important within the, um, production team. So yeah, he's he's. It, it would be logical to assume that he did these little um, sketches because, you know, back in the, another the success story of really the um, um, 
the Russell T. Davis era, the comparable guy is Ashley Way. Um, Ashley Way started out being the director for, what was it first? I think he first did Attack of the Grask. Is that the name of the, that little interactive? Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then he did all of the Tardisodes. And then he moved over to um, Torchwood and did a lot of Torchwood. And then he did... Um, you know, some Sarah Jane. And then finally in the um, um, Moffat era, he did, he, he made the, the director's chair for Hungry Earth and Cold Blood. Um, so he's a guy who started out with these, you know, relatively modest projects and then grew into something more. And so, you know, if you're tracking this sort of thing, it's kind of cool. We might be seeing the same thing here with Richard Senior. And I hope so, because honestly, nobody, in the history of Doctor Who, has ever photographed interior TARDIS stuff as well as Richard Senior. It's I keep going back to space and time and to the NTA sketch and all of those on what is it, a nothing set, one single set. He creates amazing visual fluidity and drama and tension just from the way that he's framing shots. Just amazing work. So I do hope that he. Um, makes it into regular episodes. Okay. Interestingly, Cold Blood was actually airing on BBC Three, I think, today. Um, I just should say that uh, Logan's had to drop off now and leave us, but we thank him for his contributions. Um, And there is one other piece of news that I wanted to mention. Uh, And um, actually, Romana, too, and... uh, Mike Randall Thor will probably be the ones that are already aware of this. They're not with us at the moment. Uh, but we've had another sad death in the um, fantasy world, and this time it's a writer. It's uh, Diana Wynne-Jones, uh, who's most famously known for Howl's Moving Castle that was made into the film. Apparently, I'm not sure about her age, but my son Matthew reads her books and follows her, uh, sent me, uh, let me know that uh, it had been reported that she has died, uh, I think today, earlier today, might have been yesterday. So that's uh, Diana uh, Wynne-Jones of Howl's Moving Castle fame. I don't know whether anybody in the room reads her books, but I certainly know that uh, uh, Mike and uh, Romana are fans of uh, that particular film. And probably Mike, being a literature guy, is a fan and has read her work. Sorry, I need to jump in again. Apparently, this this chat is developing a little bit more, and apparently, Ben was not talking about the uh, the prequel thing that we just saw. We still don't know who the director of the prequel thing is. So we know we know that Toby Haynes is obviously the director of episodes one and two from season six, but we we don't know who did the prequel for those two episodes. Right. Okay. Thanks for that clarification. Okay, as we hit uh, about thirty eight minutes, um, time to launch. As spoiler-free as I possibly can manage it, the topic the topic is uh, before superheroes there were heroes. Now that doesn't mean we're just dwelling on the past. Uh, that doesn't mean we're talking about all the heroes that were before the superheroes, because as many people here will know, Superman has had quite a long life and career. So um, lots of heroes have come after superheroes. But it's just a way of uh, refocusing our attention on. Uh, people without superpowers, without alien origins, uh, who are just uh, people with uh, marvellous courage, uh, intelligence, 
fortitude uh, and through their own um, innate abilities have been able to to triumph and uh, be heroes mainly in fiction we may uh, have some that are uh, uh, got their real life roots in uh, people that actually lived in history and we'll at the end hopefully uh, we will also just mention people that are perhaps not heroes in their own right would have become heroes by perhaps one heroic act uh, which may have involved the sacrifice of that life uh, and so on in uh, series and so on that we're watching now. I'm going to play in fairly quick succession just to give you an idea of where I'm coming from with this topic. Um, three fairly quick ones but I will leave a pause between each one if somebody wants to make a, a quick comment. And we'll go to um, one of the first ones, and that is um, Flash Gordon. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the escape system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. I like to play with things a while before annihilation. Pathetic earthling! Who can save you now? Strange object image in the imperial vortex. give a moment's pause before I go on to uh, another similar one and that similar one is Buck Rogers beyond the jet plane beyond the atomic bomb beyond the time machine and all the scientific marvels of tomorrow there is Buster Kraft as Buck Rogers Thrill as Buck and his sidekick buddy are discovered after 500 years of suspended animation. Who is this man called Killer Kane? He is the result of the stupidity of the men of your century. Still, at the villainy of Killer Kane, the most despicable despot ever to menace the galaxy. There's no time to lose. We must attack Hidden City immediately. As Buck and Buddy join forces with the heroic rebels of the hidden cities. Is it true that you are revolutionary? In a sense, I suppose we are. If it's revolutionary to protest against brutality. I have had enough. Shudder at the frightening vision of a futuristic metropolis. Shiver as Buck and Buddy venture alone into cave evil domain. And I'm going to just name two or three others that I haven't got clips for to give you in this uh, type of thing. Although we're mainly focusing on science fiction and fantasy, 
uh, it's hard not to include uh, people from my early watching of TVs as uh, I sensibly wanted to jump in then. No? Okay, but people like uh, William Tell, The Lone Ranger, um, Zorro, and this person next, Tarzan. What am I doing here, alone, with you? Perhaps I better not think too much about that. Not a bit afraid, not a bit sorry. And to quote Anthony Hancock, it's the wild woods for me. <laughs> that bit. Um, okay, uh, the, these are way, way back, probably before many of our listeners uh, were alive, although I'm sure some of them are shown somewhere on some TV channel. I could have also uh, mentioned quite a number of others, but um, let me just ask people if they want to uh, share with uh, me and us, the listeners, uh, if they have an acceptable definition of uh, heroes as opposed to superheroes. And, and if any of those that I brought in already uh, clash against that, please say so. So let me go to Charlie, then I'll go to Tim, and then I'll go to um, uh, Willie Skrill. So, uh, Charlie? Oh, so what, what, what do you want? Where, uh, basically, basically how, how did you feel as though this subject was going to uh, pan out to you when you saw the title before superheroes they were heroes uh, and would you have even contemplated going all the way back to Tars and Flash Gordon oh, yeah. Rogers yeah I mean yeah I, I think I did sort of did a scan of thinking who 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 uh, was going to be on top and I thought well yeah like Flash Gordon sort of popped in my head because they even make a point about him being sort of like a, an ordinary man doing heroic things you know, like you said, in, in, even that, uh, yeah, that uh, the the flash, the movie, the Flash Gordon movie, you know, with, with uh, you know, he's a miracle, like, you know, savior, you know, king of the impossible kind of thing, and you know, and he's just a man, but the man's courage and all that stuff. And um, yeah, anyway, like, when you think of, and sort of Buck Rogers comes to mind because I think of, um, yeah, Buster Crab because he both he did both um, Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon for the um, the serials, the universe of serials back in the. 30s, 40s. So he can, comes to mind, and then yeah, yeah, Tarzan. Yeah, and probably my, you know, the one really Tarzan I really know of is you know, like the, that clip you play from the Johnny Weissmiller uh, films in the 30s or so. So yeah, I so far so good. Okay, good, uh, Tim. Well, you. you basically going back as far as not just yeah, the, the, the black I'm, I'm and white old. serials but 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 thing but but you can cover in this subject um 
people like Indiana Jones as well. I oh, guess. certainly, yeah. Um, uh, well, let me uh, find a little clip from Indiana Jones then. Five points, Charlie, that was. Oh, Willis Girl, do you Indiana want to jump Jones in? in the Temple of the Crystal Cave or whatever it's called. Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull. Uh, just let me allow chat for Vegan Sarni, who's just joining us. Welcome to the room. We've just been going about five or ten minutes on the main subject. We've had lots of uh, news and discussion of uh, the little prequel to the uh, impossible astronaut. Um, anything else you wanted to add at that point then, uh, Tim? No. Okay, Willis Girl. Um, uh, what was the question? Well, are you familiar with these very early ones? Or if you were thinking about heroes, I mean, where, where does your, where's your starting point for heroes? Is it somebody more modern like James... Well, James Bond's been going from the 50s, but is it somebody more modern like Batman or whatever? Uh, uh, do you remember... Because even, even... I'm not in, uh, saying that anybody's uh, of any particular age here, because obviously you can still watch I Love Lucy on TV. They, they can be shows well before people are born still shown on TV. And, of course, if you are a person that likes your heroes in uh, the written format, uh, there are books available, you know, H.G. Wells and going all the way back. So uh, where, do you, where do you start? Uh, can you remember the first hero that you read about, saw about on TV films? Uh, and are any of these ones that you would recognise as being of, uh, of the ones you first met? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, to, to me, a hero is basically someone who uh, commits acts of bravery and they have uh, great courage and strength of character. Um, maybe someone like Batman. And when I think of superhero, I think of someone who is endowed with some type of a, a divine great strength or ability that might have come from another planet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, uh, did you have, can you remember who your first hero was? Yeah, either in fiction or in TV? A uh, fictional hero? Yeah. Oh, Sherlock Holmes was <laughs> Excellent. No, good yeah. Good choice. Um, I'm, I was trying to think how my, I mean, I, when, when I was young, I used to read a few comics, um, um, 
one of them was uh, well, actually, it was a well, it was a weekly magazine. It's called the Eagle. I'm not even sure that it's still in print now, but of course, it was Dan Dare that was the the main one from that. I used to read an American comic, and I think the hero in that was called Sergeant Rock. I think it was called Battle, the comic. Uh, well, I say American. It was whether it was actually produced in America or not, but it was. It looked like an American comic to us. It was in it was. the A. It was the A. There was two I used to read. One was called Air Race, which was mm. about fighter pilots, and the other one was called uh, Battle, and Sergeant mm. Rock. You know, with this chomping cigar and his helmet. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. I, I mean, love that. Uh, so that goes back. So, uh, well, well, Darth's on audio. I'll come back to Willis Girl and everybody, of course. Darth, uh, do you, I mean, I assume your first hero was a comic book hero? Uh, no, my first hero was a biblical hero, David. Uh, oh. I mean, that, that, that was really the first. I mean, you know, you go to Sunday school, whatever, and that's what you get first. That was way before anything. Not way, I mean, we're talking a year or two, I guess, before I have a conscious memory or something else. But then even after that, it's not... Right. Uh, and yeah. Andrew Clay's in the Lion? No, I mean no, I mean just just no, I mean not not classical. I mean really, it was just the story of David Goliath. It's it's an easy one to get kids interested in because it's not, you know, it's not super heavy religious oriented. I mean it's just it's just a straightforward adventure tale. I mean people don't necessarily think of the Bible as including some adventure tales, but there are some just basic tales, you know, and of course uh, the David Goliath story is the basis for most adventure, really. Think about it. Uh, mo- you know, whether you're talking about Star Wars or whatever, there, the, it's most adventure is about winning over improbable odds. Um, so that, that one I remember quite clearly. And I guess somewhere in there early on, there's Knowing that I should like Sherlock Holmes, but not actually liking him. I mean, I, I know I have very early memories of Sherlock Holmes, but also early memories of that was a, a counterpoint between me and my brother, that he loved Sherlock Holmes and tried to get me into it, and I just was not having any of it. Um, so there's that. Well, obviously, you you were obviously the older, smarter brother. I was the younger. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, but smarter, sure. Um, and... Uh, then I do remember, you know, really early memories of seeing Weissmuller because they stripped the Tarzan shorts and converted them into syndicated, I suppose, things that uh, could be run on other programs. And like in, in my locality, there was – this doesn't happen that much anymore, but there was, I think, pretty much all over the U.S. in at an earlier point in television history, there was a time where the local stations actually made their own material for certain parts of the day. And one part of the day that they always made material for was the very beginning of the day. So like six o'clock to seven o'clock AM, something like that. When the kids are getting ready to go to school and they're probably eating breakfast or whatever. So you have something that they can watch. And there was this show that would have, um, like Three Stooges, Tarzan, and some Warner Brothers cartoons, and they would rotate those in. So it was stuff that you know, it was basically an umbrella program, right? You'd have you'd have the the local announcer, and the local announcer would come on and do sort of a kid friendly version of the weather and the news, and act kind of goofy a little bit, and then say, "And here, let's go visit our friend Tarzan." And there would be Tarzan. 
so I guess I saw that. Um, did, did you have Saturday morning cinema in America? I mean, I remember going to see The Lone Ranger and uh, things like that at the cinema. Oh, certainly George Lucas did. <laughs> but, I mean, George Lucas is of your generation, not mine. Uh, so uh, I don't think that it exists anymore. But what we have was Saturday morning TV, which is the same concept, really. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. It, it doesn't really exist anymore, though. Uh, but there, there certainly was a period of time where you would have Saturday morning program and it'd be one thing after another. And that's where, that's really where the superhero stuff came in for me because it was watching Super Friends and things like that and whatever the legacy programs of that were. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know that at a young age I differentiated all that much between heroes and superheroes. And I'm not even sure I do it now because I don't really believe when I'm watching Indiana Jones or, or something more modern, I don't think that that's a realistic depiction of what a human being can do. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I fully recognize that that is ridiculous in terms of... Like, basic human ability. But, I mean, sure, Super Batman doesn't, quote-unquote, have powers. But he, no human is really like that. Um, Indiana Jones doesn't have superpowers. But, really, can you actually be drug underneath a truck for approaching a mile and live? Can you really do that? I mean, not just live, but actually not be more than scraped a little bit? I don't know. You know, so I don't know that I've ever really particularly differentiated between. I understand the distinction that is being made, but at the same time, I'm not sure that in my mind I've ever really believed when I'm watching a hero that that is something that can be directly emulated. There are certain things that you can take from it, but um, it's, it's it's tricky. Right. What about cinema? I mean, um, one of the ones I would suggest is. Um, in fact, uh, let me, I've got a clip for it, so I'll play the clip and then we'll all know who I mean. Jason and the Argonauts, the classic story of an epic voyage. Jason and his band of Argonauts, the mightiest warriors the world of adventure has ever known, in search of the fabulous magic golden fleet. Where will you find this miracle? I have heard there is a tree at the end of the world with a fleece of gold hanging in its branches. Todd Armstrong and Nancy Kovac portray the classic lovers. Jason, the man who challenges the gods. Medea, who betrays a kingdom for love. Acastus, driven by a lust for power. Hera, goddess and woman, who defies the might of Zeus, king of the gods, who unleashes his fury at rebellious mortals. The Argonauts. Caught in the clutches of the towering bronze giant Taylor. The Argonauts battling vulture coffee. Jason, threatened by the seven-headed Hydra. Medea, the temple dancer. Mysterious, exciting, and exotic. Jason, battling the army of skeletons. Kill, kill, kill them all! One man defying a universe of mortal and immortal danger. 
Jason and the Argonauts. A search that became a legend. Now, where did I put the teeth of the... Uh, um, Tim has put in text that um, that Graham, Graham Sheridan, the second doctor, passes on his uh, apologies for not making the show today. So thank you, uh, Graham, for uh, passing those on through Tim. So... So, uh, actually, and, and the uh, comment I'll... as to how badly written that voiceover was. Because <laughs> at one oh, point it says, goddess and woman. And I'm going, as opposed to goddess and man? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. But I, I was just about playing that, and I was suddenly thinking, I bet at that point, Darth, not only um, you didn't differentiate between uh, superheroes and heroes, basically you got probably more interested in how the film was made at that point. Very well, my friend. Well, with the with the the fight with the skeletons and things like that, the 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 animation and uh, the uh, the Harryhausen yeah, the style of film. Yeah, 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 my very. But just to comment, it, I mean, you know, this is a different era, so it's it's hard to judge the 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 quality of the voiceover, the text, or whatever. But just a point on that. What what I think is being said there is, you know, the fact that this is a a, a figure who was both goddess and mortal woman, not. Not that goddesses can be men, but really that goddesses are not necessarily also regular women. Yeah, like a, a like a demigod, isn't it? Uh, I think we've had that before. But um, by the way, if anybody is wondering why, I, I do try and pick these clips, and it does limit me somewhat. I try and play trailers, although that one. It, you'll probably find that I've shortened them because a lot of them are two or three minutes and I've tried to edit them down to a minute or just over a minute, minute and a half. The reason why I do that is because basically those are adverts for the program. So I feel I've got more justification in playing them because basically uh, it's an exaltation for you to go and see the film and uh, really they're being put out there as promotional tools. So playing them seems to be... Um, less of a contravention of, of, of stepping on anybody's feet, which I've done quite enough of today. So let me go around the room back to Charlie, because I didn't ask Charlie, I don't think I asked Tim either. Uh, you, you, what were your first heroes? Charlie Ooh, first. That's a good question. Um, were they from oh, comics, well, books, TV, films? Um... I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to think of something. You know, like when, when Darth, you brought up David Goliath, I was like, oh yeah, I should. That's a good one too. Um, I mean, like, I, I, I think of something like, ooh, I am, I'm trying to, trying to think. I mean, I, I watched, you know, Star Trek at a very early age, so I think of something like Captain Kirk, and or uh, maybe like, like I watched you know, James Bond. You know, I watched a lot. Of, you know, I started watching James Bond at a very, very early age. Um, I'm trying to think, who, who else would it be? Um, I'm trying to think did, of did you, get many, did you get many from books? Uh, when you, perhaps James Bond you meant from books. How did you mean? Or are you basically from the you're more a visual? Yeah, Yeah, more oh. from the films. And, you know, like, um, you know, I, 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 read, I got into the books about, a little bit later because you know, my, my dad had a, you know, he had a couple of the books around, so I, could, so I read those. Um, uh, yeah, I'm annoyed at that because um, I used to have some of the for early James Bond ones, you know, I've got the one with, I did have the one with the skull on the front and things like that, and I'm thinking, good God, the dust covers on those are worth as much as the blooming books nowadays, if I'd have kept them. Let me just play, I won't play all of that, I'll just play a little bit of James Bond, I'll give you 
10 or 20 seconds just to think. I'll come back to you and then we'll go back to Tim. I won't play it all the way through. Uh, does that give you a moment to think? Um, I mean, the only, the only thing I do, actually I was thinking about is maybe something like out of video games, like something like Super Mario or, uh, of course, I know he, he's, I mean, he's a plumber, but <laughs> that's, that's video games for you, or something like you know, Link in the Zelda games. Yeah, I'm not sure Sonic the Hedgehog quite comes under our category. I wasn't going to say Sonic. I wasn't going to say Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Well, you don't know, but okay. I, that's all I have right. now. Right, let me let me go to Tim. Can you remember your first uh, fictional or real life hero from early days of maybe TV, maybe even from school or from movies or books? Well, apart from the Doctor, it would probably be James Bond. Although I'm. I'm I'm probably an outsider in this belief that the, the the James Bond you like most is the one you grow up with, and so to me, Roger Moore is James Bond. And all, all this talk about Connery being better kind of came when I got older, and I thought, well, he's different, but to me, he's not better because he's not my James Bond. Uh, but beyond that, it's it's sort of people you discover as you're growing up while going to the cinema like Indiana Jones and um, the proper Star Wars movies, the ones with Han Solo and Luke Skywalker in. Right. I Calm down over there. <laughs> well, the, 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 you're, not, you're, you're not going to defend the third of those prequels, please. I'm going is to indefensible. defend all the prequels. It's, I want to defend the entire oh, story. Not the third one. It's the worst movie ever made. Yes, it Absolutely is. I agree. The worst <laughs> Thank you, Willis Girl. At last, someone who agrees with me on that. Wow. I, I, I own that one purely as a completist. I can't bring myself to watch it very often. I really you can't. You mean Revenge of the Sith? You don't like yeah, That is a terrible film. It's hideously bad. Yeah. It's, it's not the one without the. So, it, is that the one where they have the fight on the volcano? The one thing to happen. That's ba- it's dull, 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 and then finally the thing happens that you actually watched the film for in the first place. Interesting. I've never heard anybody express that view before. That's interesting. No, nobody else hates the third one. God, I, that's I, I, not the general opinion, especially if you go on oh, uh, just Rotten so Tomatoes wrong. or whatever and look at their view. Most people do think they're of just the third so ones. Well, I mean, just yeah. opinions, and that's fine. Just interrupting because mm. Vegan Sarg is, Sarg is just trying to leave the room. Thank you for joining in, and I hope you'll listen mm. to the rest of the uh, episode. Uh, it should be up uh, later today. Uh, I'm going to go to what's going on. I'll be off soon, Dave. So, um, right, any well, just, quick questions while I'm around? Uh, well, well, first of all, um, we'll be talking about Doc Two at the end, not the Doctor, obviously, because he, uh, by definition, not being human, we can't class him as just a hero. Certainly, in my definition, 
that's valuable. Uh, any any of the the companions who may not be heroes in of themselves, but through some heroic act, you would you would put them alongside some of your heroes. Well, unlike certain people on YouTube, I happen to think Adric was pretty heroic. Uh, oh my goodness! Right. Well, I have I have certain friends who are, who are fellow podcasters who take great delight in watching certain Ad, Adric clip. Uh, the, 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 it's called something on the lines of the real ending to Earthshock, where it's basically the last few minutes of Earthshock with laughter over. And I happen to think that's rather disrespectful myself. Mm. Adric's annoying. I'll agree with him being annoying, but I don't hate him, not remotely. Right. Well, anyway, we have to differentiate the Yeah, having put that cat among the pigeons, I'll leave you. So I'll catch the rest of the show in the week. All right, thank you. Right, uh, just I'll go to Willis Girl next, but just before I do so, I mean, one of the ones I grew up with um, was uh, Robin Hood. Of course, he's been around for a long time. My actor who played it, I think it was Richard Green who played it in the UK in the 50s. But of course, there's been the new film, First, uh, are reasonably new. Let me uh, play a very short clip. I might not play it all the way through of uh, the latest Robin Hood film. I think I have much to tell you about history, about your history. Your father was a visionary. What did he see? That kings have a need of their subjects. A dangerous idea. Rise and rise again until lambs become lions. My father died for this. What does it mean? It means never give up. A king does not bargain for the loyalty that every subject owes him. In the name of King John, pay or burn. Many wrongs to be righted in the country of King John. I pray for a miracle. That's something that we need to do. We're coming archers, Rob. The laws of this land enslave people to its king. A king who offers nothing in return. Robin Longstride, also known as Robin of the Hood. For the crimes of incitement to cause unrest, I declare him to be an outlaw! All who shelter him, their lives shall be taken on sight. Nail, please. Uh, yeah, um, I, I'm not even sure whether it's it's naughty to also mention uh, the hero from Gladiator, played by the same actor, uh, following on from that one. Because, uh, uh, and you could also, I suppose, include Spartacus if you're going to include uh, uh, the Gladiator one. But uh, Willis Girl, um, any more thoughts that you want to mention? We've uh, we're down to a small group of us band, us happy few. Um, another hero I would consider would be MacGyver. I, um, I, I think it's fantastic that uh, he could uh, come up with uh, solutions to problems uh, using, you know, ordinary uh, household products. Or uh, I love that he could uh, solve problems with his mind, with you know, with coming up with solutions that. Uh, you, you wouldn't think possible. Right. Absolutely, yes, I would go along with that. Um, I loved MacGyver. Loved watching about, MacGyver growing up. Yeah, I mean, one of my TV heroes is um, 
um, from Quantum Leap, you know, the Sam character from Quantum Leap, because, you know, he's a super intelligent person, got all these degrees. Admittedly, he's a scientist, but there's, there's a scientific explanation uh, from him leaping around, well, from this experiment that went wrong. But basically, uh, although the, it's a science fiction uh, setup, as it were, or fantasy setup, it, it, you know, he doesn't use any... Um, he only uses technology to help him, you know, with Al the hologram. So um, I would put him in a similar vein to that. Is that one that you followed, Quantum Leap? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Okay. Um, Charlie, we, we, the, with, with now we, there's myself, Willis Girl, Charlie and Darth in the room on audio. Hopefully we might still get somebody like Mike making it in later, but... Um, Please jump in at any point at this point. Uh, we, we, I'll move to the more modern ones in a moment. But, uh, Charlie, do you want to come in and... MacGyver, is that somebody um, you would... Yeah, I like, I like MacGyver. MacGyver was one of those little shows I watched, you know, with with the family. And it was always... You know, he has his, he has his trusty Swiss Army knife. And he, he, he was... Explain, you, know, you know, there was always that voiceover of him, how he, how he would, uh, you know, defuse a bomb or whatever, do all that stuff. And it was always... You know, it became you know very a pop culture thing. You know, how are you gonna MacGyver your way out of this one and, and such like that. Um, yeah, I like I like MacGyver. Is it in the in the eighties watching it on TV? Okay, right. Um, well, I'm just gonna pause for one minute and I'm gonna play a clip which is sort of um, basically just a, an analogy for um, groups of heroes uh, and uh, I'm just gonna. Take time out for us to, uh, for you to think about any uh, heroes. I may, I've already mentioned Sergeant Rock, but ones that came out from watching either programs or things about the Second World War. This particular music is just music I love. It's from the Six Three Three Squadron, um, which uh, you know, like the Dambusters and all that kind of thing. So let me just play this little clip. I mean, I remember, obviously, there's The Great Escape, uh, the Colditz movies. Uh, there's a very good you, you one called The Man Who Never Was, which this chap was actually, and I'm, I'm going to be very careful how I say this, this actual man uh, was a hero, uh, although he never knew anything about it. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to be very careful what I say here. 
Um, but lots, uh, generally war movies in particular. Uh, would anybody else in the room want to suggest that war movies uh, do that? I mean, obviously, this uh, Kelly's Heroes. Um, what was the one with the the Dirty Dozen, um, where you've got um, he- heroic ones like that? Anybody want to uh, nominate a war one? Or do we want to move swiftly on from that category? I'll jump in there. A war one. Um, I mean, you got sort of. I'll give you an old one. And I'll give you a new one. Um, the Alec Guinness character in Bridge Over the River Kwai. Come on, mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's something. But I think more recently, uh, the um, Tom Cruise one. No, come on. Tom Cruise is never going to be my hero in anything. The one um, where he plays the you know the the the, the bomb plot. No, I know. I thought oh, you admired that film. Uh, you mean in um, where he plays the oh, German? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, but I saw that and I thought it was you know good for a uh, uh, Tom Cruise movie, but no. Uh, right. Okay. Um, so you know of that same sort of era, you might say that that recent um, Daniel Craig movie, um, where he plays oh what I forget the name of it. Uh, it was just a year and a half ago. Uh, he's leading some refugees, Jewish refugees through, you know, German territory. Ah, uh, forget the name of it. Doesn't matter. Charlie. Yeah, yeah I'm trying trivia. to remember it too. Yeah. But the one that I keep coming back to is like just the straight up. And again, you know, I'm an American, so I'm going to take an American war hero. But as, as the straight up example of just decency um, is the the central character, more or less, of uh, uh, Band of Brothers. The oh. uh, the guy who is it? He's, he's oh, actually yeah, British. Uh, yes, yes. The the red hair, the ginger haired chap. Uh, and I love absolutely him. Fabulous actor. Fabulous. I mean, it, I mean, he's just so unflappable. Yeah. I mean, just he. You can't imagine a better portrayal of, you know, what are supposed to be traditional American values. Damien Lewis. Damien, Damien Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. Absolutely um, fabulous. Just out of the ballpark fabulous. And and I watched that. And it's like, you know, it's only, what, ten episodes maybe? Five, I don't know. Eight, something. Mm-hmm. Not that much. But I watch it just to see his acting because it's so effortless. But at the same time, you know. That if you were in his battalion, that you would do anything that man said, because mm-hmm. it's uh, it's just a remarkable piece of acting. So yeah, there's that. I, I kind of want to go back a little bit to Bond just for a second because when when Charlie was saying this stuff about Bond, and even to an extent Tim, you know, I, I agree a little bit with Tim in in the movie world of saying, you know, for me, Roger Moore is Bond, and, and that it's taken a while to sort of uh, for me to shake that loose and say, well, no, actually, now really Daniel Craig is Bond, but and but you know, a part of me still has a problem when people really attack Roger Moore, saying you know he's too frivolous or whatever. Right? There is something about his characterization which I still love to this day. But growing up, now that I think about it, I really read a hell of a lot of James Bond books. I know I read them all. And the character, the literary James Bond became 
very much a hero for me. I mean, I think I, the reason that I had a split maybe with my brother over uh, Sherlock Holmes is that I competitively read the Bond series, you know, and for every book that he read of Sherlock Holmes, I would read, you know, something from the Bond series just to, so that it wasn't that I was too lazy to read. It was that I just really preferred the character. And I just, there, there are things about the way that Ian Fleming described that character that are, that still stick with, there's a wonderful scene. I forget what book it is, but there's a wonderful scene of him just making breakfast for himself. And it's just a manly description of making breakfast. And, and there's a description of the actual, it's not a martini. You know, we, we think shaken, not stirred these days, but it's technically what now is called a Negroni. But the description of him making this, his signature drink or telling a bartender to do it is stayed with me so much that when it happened in Casino Royale, I'm sorry, when it happened in, um, oh, what, what came after Casino Royale? Um, he orders something there that is not at all, you know, shaken, not sir. It's not a martini that he orders. He tells him to make what is a Negroni. And it was such a vivid thing in the books that as soon as he said it in there, I was like, oh, this is great. This is a callback to the books. It's not the, the stupid sort of thing that uh, was invented by Guy, whatever his name is, the director of the, the early Connery movies. But it, but it's the real deal. Um, I I really did get into the James Bond books and the, and the characterization of that. So there is, mm. there is a part of me that does like heroes who are from the military slash you know State Department. You know the one side or other of the the uh, the coin of international relations. I do like that. Right. Sorry? I'm I was going to say, Charlie's found out it's De- Defiance, the film you were trying to think of before. Yes, Defiance, uh, with Daniel Craig. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good one, too. Um, but there's that, and then there's... Um, oh. Oh. Also sort of literary around the same time, Henry V. Shakespeare's Henry V. I will go with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just sort of vaguely quoted him a few seconds ago. You know, we Band of Brothers, we precious... And it's, you know, where we yeah. get Band of Brothers from. Um but I love that, and when um, Kenneth Branagh made his version of Henry V, oh my God, I can't tell you how many times I've watched that. I have watched that probably approaching the same number of times that I've watched Star Wars, which is saying something. I absolutely love the play Henry V, and I love the Branagh interpretation of it, and I love you know, Shakespeare's characterization of a king who walks among his men. I just think that that's a... A lovely character. That's how leadership should be when at all possible. Right. If you uh, have watched the Tudors, uh, up to date with the Tudors, the, um, the 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 big two part final have this uh, fairly big battle, and he, he tries to sort of emulate that speech uh, as they're fighting against the French. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there are other heroes in war films, and, and that's what we're concentrating on. I mean. In one way, the the pianist, which is about the mm. Jewish piano player, that mm-hmm. fellow is a, a, a hero simply because he survives, and the other people, you know, make sacrifices to save him because he's got this is this absolutely talented piano player, and um, even, even the, uh, one of the Nazi officers who who discovers him hiding uh, when he hears him play, 
uh, gives him some canned food and tells him to hide because they're, they're retreating in a couple of weeks. But the heroic act is survival. Well, even that, that moment in Schindler's List where the Ben Kingsley character tries to give the ring back to the um, Liam Neeson character and the ring drops, that kills me. And, you know, that relationship is, is a heroic one as well. Both Kingston and Neeson's characters are, are utterly heroic in totally different ways. And, and when, at the end of the film, they come together at that, that moment where, you know, the ring symbolizes so much and it drops and, you know, yeah. it's just, it, it, it brings a tear to my and, and, you know, a lot of people say that they have Schindler's List, but they don't watch it because it's, they, they can't, it's, oh, it's a dark film or whatever. I can't watch it, not because it's not a, because it's a dark film, but because it's such a resoundingly light film. At the end of the day, it is such, you know, it is the definition of pure good because I guess the situation is such pure evil that, you know, to find this spark of light in it, it's, the light becomes so bright. And at the end of the movie, every time I watch it, I lose it. Come. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the ending is, is, is lovely, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, not appropriate to mention it just now, but I mean, even Liam Neeson, he plays another hero in that Taken, which uh, mm. apparently was a bit of a sleeper film. Uh, but I watched it recently and I loved it. Uh, let's go to Charlie. Any war films? That are heroes from war films, that genre? Ooh. Um, well, I was, I was, yeah, I was thinking when you mentioned Great Escape, I was thinking, you know, sort of... Guns Steve of Navarro. Guns yeah, of Navarro. Guns of Navarro. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, that's, that's another mm-hmm. good one. Um, you know, maybe even something like um, Lawrence of Arabia. I mean... Oh, uh, I, I, Ice Cold in Alex. Uh, I'm not sure whether that uh, class, but there's there's lots of one. Well, that last oh, sorry, go on. Oh, go, no, that's fine. Bliss Girl, war films, uh, any <laughs> heroic ones? I don't really know anything about war, war movies. I usually avoid them. <laughs> okay. Okay, anybody else want to say anything more about war films? Because I want to just bring in another genre next, just to sort of try and uh, open out the uh, the topic a little bit more. Okay, well, if if, if anybody does, just uh, bring it in the next one. Um, we, we, as I say, we're mainly science fiction and fantasy, but we are also cult. And another area of cult films, apart from war films, is um, cop films. And here we get into a slightly contentious area of whether some of these are heroes or anti-heroes. So uh, let's play a, a clip from Dirty Harry. There's a madman loose. Scorpio. Ballistics is checking on the sword. Pretty sure it's a 30 odd six. No wonder they call him Dirty Harry. Always gets the shit end of the stick. You need a partner. I'm putting somebody with me. Chief, who's in charge of this case? Inspector Callahan. Shot in the face. Blew part of it away. He's free! Letting him go? When are you people gonna stop messing around with this guy? It's gotta be stopped now. It's the law. Well, then the law is crazy. It's a whole new ballgame, fellas. We grabbed a 14-year-old girl. She has oxygen until 3 a.m. tomorrow morning. Where's the girl? 
will not be molested. And that's a direct order, Callahan. And, of course, my brain's loads were. I just realised that uh, one of the war films I was going to mention, were two, actually. One is um, uh, the Sergeant York one, uh, which was a very famous uh, film. But the other one is um, an actual decorated, real-life decorated hero who went on to become uh, a film star. And, of course, that's Audie Murphy. So he was both a hero in real life and his films. I think uh, the film that of his um, heroism was—is it something? Was it called *To Hell and Back*? From *Hell and Back*. From *Hell and Back*, uh, and then he, he went on. He plays himself. He plays himself. That's the whole point. He's both a hero in actuality, and he performs it. He then went on to play in quite a number of westerns, some that were perhaps better than others. Um, uh, and, and we'll perhaps talk about westerns after we've covered the cop ones just a little bit. Um, but um, Sergeant York, Audie Murphy, does that uh, ring any bells with anybody? I'll, I'll get some thinking of others. If not, we'll stick with the the um, the, the one we're on now, which is the uh, the cop ones, and I just play uh, uh, that, and I'll play one more, which is the um, the John McClane character hero from Die Hard. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. California. Is Daddy coming home with you? Well, we'll see what Santa and Mommy can do, okay? And New York cop John McLean has come to see his wife. Instead, he's going to have to save her. Within this skyscraper high above the city, 12 terrorists have declared war. They're about to be told a lesson in the real use of power. Because I am interested in the $640 million in your vault. And I'm telling you, you're just going to have to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. Now, the last thing McLean wants is to be a hero. Where's Howie? Hey, Where? But he doesn't have a choice. What does he think he's doing? Job. He's inside? Who is he? Who are you then? You are most troublesome for a security guard. Sorry, wrong guess, huh? Would you like to go for double jeopardy? Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee guy, mother. But you just destroyed a building. I am in charge of this situation. Well, I got some bad news for you. Come up here, then look like you're in charge of Jack. He is alone, he is tired, and he hasn't seen deadly squat from anybody down here. Bruce Willis, Die Hard. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? And I should just mention that since we're talking about heroes, we did do an episode 52, which was a, uh, and we did that back in November of last year, which was top sci-fi, top 10 sci-fi villains. We haven't done villains in different genres, but we have covered top 10 sci-fi villains and that might be one of our reissued ones I'll tweet about to go alongside this in a couple of days. Willis Girl, are you a, do you watch cop films then? If you don't oh, watch yeah. more ones. Yes, I do. 
So any any from this genre, including those two, of course, the Dirty Harry character are the uh, uh, Harry Harry Callahan are the John McLean character. McLean, McLean, is it? Um, yeah, yeah, but you know, I'm drawing a blank right now. But I, I do watch them. Uh, either of those? Oh, yeah, definitely John. Oh, John McClane is definitely my favorite. Okay, okay. Darth, then, um, any 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 of the the cop genre ones? Or do you think that that they they so easily stray into this anti-hero uh, character? Um, I don't really watch a lot of cop stuff, uh, so I don't. Uh, you know, okay. I, I mean, I know John McClane, and he's yeah, he's certainly a hero. But again, the thing is that such stylized stuff, you know, you can't, you don't really feel like that's possible, do you? I mean, come on. I mean, that's part of the fun of it is that it's, you know, it's total escapism. But uh, I guess I, I'm, I'm not convinced that he's just an ordinary person. You know, it's it's too it's too exaggerated. So I don't well, know. Certainly the last one was. Well, I uh, think even the first die one. Die Hard with a Vengeance or whatever it was. Maybe. I, I think even the first one. I think that's the whole point of the, the entire series is that he is, however slightly, he is nevertheless definitely a bit more than what an ordinary person is. Uh, and right. I, I guess that's a, in a way, that's sort of a definition of hero in general. But um, it's... Especially one. I mean, Die Hard one. You know, how long can a person walk around bleeding as badly as he's bleeding? Especially with like the, the feet totally ripped to shreds. How how long can a person walk around like that before, you know, how many wounds does it take to get all the blood out of a person? I don't know, but certainly yeah. he seems to be trying to set the record or find out what the answer to that is. Um, yeah. uh, let me let me jump back just a little bit because I just remember. I, I, you know, some of my heroes are also comedic, so I just would throw in on on the the military part of it. Actually, Hogan from Hogan's Heroes. I mean, the, that show has a lot of potential problems. That you know, there's some some issues that certain Jewish groups have with it about lightning. You know, the the uh, the message of the concentration camps and making it look like kind of a fun place to be or whatever. Uh, but I still liked his attitude, and it's the same sort of attitude that carries through into, you know. Hawkeye Pierce and Trapper John, you know, on, on MASH. And I would consider and I would... those to be heroes, too. I'm sorry. Was that Charlie? No, that wasn't me. Oh, I heard Are a little you... something. Sorry. Uh, but, yeah, I, I like I like some comedic war heroes as well as, like, you know, sort of straight war heroes as well. But I, I don't know. Cops? I can't... I can't really think of too many cops that... Right. I even uh, well, you've, you've just reminded me then, because uh, in the war genre, we missed out the um, first blood, didn't we? The um, the Rambo character. Oh, I'm not I'm missing not. that one out. <laughs> no, no, no. But, uh, yeah. I mean, he's a hero to sure. many people. Certainly in the first one. I mean, the first one was the most... Well, I suppose you could mention he's Rocky, but that wasn't a, that wasn't um, a war one, was it? Mm. But uh, we'll go on to maybe things like that. So, uh, any, any more on the cop genre? I mean, it just—I I just felt it was—it was more prone to the sort of, uh, you know, the 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 not using, um, you know, 
I'm, I'm, I'm skating on thin ice here, but, you know, beating up nonces. You know what I mean? Uh, Charlie, rescue me. Uh, <laughs> cop ones. Oh. Is there I, a rich I mean, source of heroes for you? I don't know if they're a rich resource. I mean, you know, they're, they're funny. You know, I, you know, I, mean, I mean, lethal weapon movies are fun to watch, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's nice to see, you know, Two cops, you know, they, they have, you know, they have, you know, their own issues, and they put them aside to to, uh, to do the things. But um, I don't know. I, I try to think of anything else. Not really. Okay. Well, I actually, let me actually, I was when, we, we, when you brought up uh, um, Dirty Harry, I was thinking of the, I was thinking of uh, the, um, Where Eagles There, and, and that Clint Eastwood movie, and that was sort of a, you know, I don't, yeah, yeah, him and Richard Burton. <laughs> I think I think that movie they sort of said that movie has the highest body count of any Clint Eastwood movie. So, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, as I say, we're mainly fantasy and science fiction. We're just fairly quickly going through these other genres, just because they are sources of heroes. And I'm just going to play a little clip of one of my favourite uh, uh, cowboy music ones, because I mentioned before the the Audie Murphy being a real life hero, being in a war film, playing himself in that to hell and back or whatever it was and then he went into westerns but here's just some western music to get your minds all ticking over about western heroes And that was just generic uh, Western music because the two that come to mind straight off the top of my head uh, would be, because uh, I'm an old guy again, would be Shane and um, uh, the Alan Ladd actor played the, the lead character Shane in that and uh, maybe High Noon with um, the sheriff played by um, Charlie. Gary Cooper. Gary Cooper and the absolutely beautiful... Uh, bride to be, um, the Princess Grace of Monaco, um, Grace uh, Kelly. Um, I mean, that's two starters off. Um, any, any, uh, who, who in the room is a, a Western fan and has their heroes from the Western genre? I mean, obviously, I mentioned right at the beginning um, things like the Lone Ranger and um, um, who was the other one. Um, Tom, um, thinking to the the Range Rider was it? Uh, it was the Lone Ranger and Tonto, the Range Rider, um, and you can go back to Tom Mix if you're really old, but that's even older than me. So I think Shane is as far as I'll go back, and um, the Gary Cooper High Noon one, which is often tried to be, and of course then there's the the Man with No Name, 
that appeared in a number of films where he was played playing the same character, but it was the Clint Eastern that brought about all the spaghetti westerns that came about. Um, so I'm sure, Charlie, you've got something to say about Clint Eastwood westerns as a hero western, nothing else. Well, um, nope. I mean, with with the man with no name, he sort of, you know, when he, he goes into these movies and he sort of, you know, he does it for profit, you know, to because to, um, he's a bounty hunter. And then once in a while, he'll he'll get his um, his, you know, his emotions get in the way, and then and then you know it, it conflicts with uh, what he wants to do. Um, actually, when you when you mentioned westerns, I was thinking, you know, True Grit just came out last year, and I was thinking something like, you know. Mm. Rooster Carborn and and such and you know with uh, Jeff Bridges and everything like that and and um, you know th- those those sort of the, that's sort of the iconic Western for me right now is that movie. Well, well, The Unforgiven wasn't there, but uh, as well he played and uh, yeah. uh, Pale Rider was it? Our High Plains Pale Drifter Rider. and Pale yeah. Rider. Yeah, that's that's yeah that's sort of the Clint Eastwood kind of Western kind of character. I've really, I've only, I've only seen you know the, the Man with No Name movies. The, those, that's sort of the um, thing where I think of Clean as in the Western. I've ever, ever seen Unforgiven or anything like that. Or... Yeah, I, I, it, are you a Magnificent Seven fan? I mean, I, 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 lo- I love that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I'm, I'm I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Western takeoff of Seven, Seven Samurai, which, which Seven, yeah. I prefer. It's that's that's a fantastic movie. Right. Would you what what is that? Would put that in a war genre, I suppose. Really. Um, I know that's you know it's it's yeah. I know yeah. Well, let's ask Willis Girl. Cowboys are. Uh, do you like? Do you tip your hat to a cowboy, Willis Girl? Oh yeah, but I I mostly like ensemble movies as far as that particular genre is considered. Um, my favorite um in the cowboy genre is the Magnificent Seven, where there's a, a group of uh. Uh, seven people who come together to uh, fight, to help fight and oppress uh, a village. Mm. I just like things where ordinary people band together for the greater good. Yeah. Um, the Magnificent Seven for me. Uh, Vegan Sani, who's, who's back in the room, uh, thanks for rejoining us, uh, went to see The Unforgiven mm-hmm. at the cinema and fell asleep. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't believe that. I mean, the, the, the chap who played um, uh, the sheriff, um, uh, Lex Luthor character, Gene Hackman. Come on, Gene Hackman, was absolutely fabulous. He was so fabulous uh, that I hated it. And, of course, right at the beginning, they had English, is it English Johnny or whatever, who was played by um, um, not Peter Finch, but the uh, the English actor? Right at the beginning, he gets humiliated in the city, in the town, uh, and it'll come to. He played uh, he played um, in Harry Potter. He played the first uh, run of the school, the first actor to play Dumbledore. Richard Harris. Richard Harris. Yeah, Richard Harris okay. plays. Uh, English Bob or something, and the sheriff mercilessly runs him out. Spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> uh, so, uh, all right, let's d- ask. Uh, Cowboys, is that your thing? Uh, yeah, I certainly have had some experience with the, the genre, and, uh, you know, I would say right off the bat, the number one hero for me is Maverick. I mean, come on. Oh, whether, right, you're, yeah. whether, whether you're talking about James Garner or even, you know, the Mel Gibson version is fine. I know Mel Gibson has clearly, you know, fallen as a 
individual, but the performance still stands is fabulous. Uh, anything, if you put James Garner in anything, I'll watch James Garner, but Maverick, the character, the original Brett Maverick, unbelievable character, uh, really quite revolutionary for the time. You know, the first sort of anti-hero in a way, um, but talk about, he's, he's one of the, the few sort of realistic characters to me um, in, in, um, in the war genre, in the, well, not necessarily the war genre, but in the Western sort of adventure genre uh, that would include cops as well. Um, because he totally lives by his wits and everything he does is, is to me, you know, blatantly possible. Uh, so I just I love Matt. Um, well, mm, go ahead. Well, again, you, you have this the, the, again, like with the the the, the cop ones, you can have the anti-hero coming as well uh, with these. I mean, uh, one of my favorite, I think it was Steve McQueen. Was it the left-handed gun and some of the very early uh, westerns that came out? Um, right. Then there was a, a marvelous film, uh, Hundred Rifles. Oh, uh, Winchester '73. That is a fabulous film. James Stewart, I think, Winchester 73. Uh, if you go back to some of those, where the right. unscrupulous people selling guns to the Native Americans. Mm. Um, and, of course, uh, what, there was a... Oh, well, there's so many, really. Uh, you could argue that the Alamo was a... Uh, like Willis Girl says she liked assemble ones. Have you, have you ever seen the Alamo, Willis Girl? Oh, yes, I have. Yeah, with the the, the David Bowie uh, Bowie character, and uh, I think he actually was a western. I mean, John Wayne's played a lot of heroes in uh, in westerns. Uh, the other great one, of course, is the one where is it Rio? Rio which one is it? Rio Bravo or Rio? Where um, Dean Martin is the drunken helper. Real, yeah, that's, real, yeah, that's yeah, the Howard Hawks movie. Rio Bravo, excellent. Right. I mean, once you start thinking of them, they they come thick and fast. So, um, anybody want to mention any more about uh, Cowboys before I go on to a different genre? Uh, hopefully you're all holding up because I, I'm asking lots of demands from our heroic team in the room. Uh, I mean, I would throw in Ben Cartwright into that. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and... Uh, Barbara Stanwyck to, as well, Big Valley. I, I wouldn't. I mean, I watched no. Big Valley. I wouldn't throw her in it on my personal list. I, I, Big right. Valley was something I watched out of sheer loyalty to Lee Majors and nothing to do with uh, anybody else there. I like part. I mean, I don't want to detract from Barbara Stanwyck. No. She's a great actor. But I didn't like the setup of that as much as maybe I like Gunsmoke. I mean, it's Bonanza, rather, not Gunsmoke. Well, we, uh, yeah, I'm, really, I'm really weird. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, was that not the one with Gregory Peckin, where they have the big fight scene out the back of the house? Big Valley? That's Big Country. Big Big Country, country, I apologise. Big uh, Country, yeah, Barbara Samuels did Big Valley, but the the one I liked was the one where Gregory Peck and the other bloke, uh, they keep calling him a coward, and he won't fight him in public, and then one night, one early morning, they go out into into the prairie behind the house, and they have this God Almighty fist fight, uh, Gregory right. Peck and uh, can't remember who the other guy is, but it was absolutely fabulous. Oh, and I've got to mention one more. Sorry, because because I'll lose the memory if I don't. Um, Burr Lives. If you've ever seen Burr Lives in westerns, he's uh, fabulous. And I'm trying to remember the the one where he has um, a cowardly son. Um, it's the same movie. Because it's the same movie. Yeah. Same movie. 
and he makes his young son stand up to to Gregory Peck, and they have a duel with real dueling pistons, pistols. Uh, but uh, Burl Ives in westerns, I mean, he, he's, I mean, because he's, he's a singer, isn't he? But the presence that the man has. Sorry, Garth, I've interrupted you no, enough now. No, that's fine. No, he does. He's he's well, you know, Burl Ives nominally a singer, but you know, he was. He's another one of these guys that did a lot of things in the, you know, 40s, 50s, and 60s. And, you know, I remember Burl Ives as being in what is now viewed the controversial Disney film Song of the South. Uh, you know, he, he, his voice is unmistakable. He, Burl Ives is also in the, some of these, I don't know what they're called, the film, they're not called Claymation, or are they called Claymation? I don't know. The Disney, the, um, Oh, you know, those Christmas Rankin specials. Bass. Rankin yeah, Bass. Bass. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, what is he? He's in the, isn't he's he in the Foster Snowman? He's in Rudolph. Oh, he's in Rudolph. You're right, you're right. He's totally Rudolph. Yeah, so, I mean, he's like, you know his voice, even now, years later. I mean, years after he's dead, it, his stuff is still sort of surviving a bit. So, yeah, I, I'm sure he's fine. I mean, I've never actually seen any of his Western work, but I... I don't think of him as a singer, even though I know he was. I, I think of him as at least voice talent, if not full-on actor. So, yeah, I can see that. But I don't know. I don't know about any other particular... I mean, I, I've seen some other Western, you know, Dance with Wolves, whatever. I tend, to like, I tend to like Westerns that are non-traditional Westerns. That is, you know, I don't like Gunsmoke, but I do like Bonanza. Gunsmoke is by far the more traditional of the two. You know, I don't like the um, shootout and OK Corral where basically it's just, you know, or, or the, the cowboy versus Indian where, you know, everything is about living by your wits. I don't necessarily like that part. I do like things that are set in that period of time, but right. have to do with, you know, how do people survive? How do people build a, a town? Um, but I don't like it going, you know, too far over the edge either, because I don't like Little House on the Prairie at all. Uh, it's too treacly. It's too, I don't know what the word is, not dramatic enough. Uh, it, it's too much about, it's too soap opery. I, I, somewhere in the middle is where I like it, where right. it's about, where there's, there's definitely adventure scenes, but the point is, I, I think like what, what, um, Willis girl was saying the point is there's some human condition that needs right. to be addressed. And, you know, here come the heroes to protect the town or, or to protect the ambition or to, I don't know, build a railroad or something like that. That's where I tend to. Well, if you it. want that, how the West was one, I mean, basically the whole idea was that the pioneers of the West, they were all heroes. Um, and, uh, yeah. Debbie, I don't know who the main character is in that, because they follow us about four generations uh, of uh, uh, the, how the West was. Won. And if you can get that on Blu-ray, by the way, fabulous mm. Blu-ray to get, because they have two versions of it. They have uh, the CinemaScope one, very wide screen, of course, and they have it in what's called the Smiley Vision, which uh, is how it was shown originally at the cinema, where it's almost a wraparound screen. And when you watch it on your TV, there's like a... A, a circular shaped scoop out 
top and mm. bottom as though the screen would have wrapped. I mean, you need a big TV to enjoy it. But uh, that is a, uh, a, a fabulous film of, uh, you know, exploration. James Stewart, he always goes to see the raccoon, you know, uh, 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 a brilliant, brilliant film. Okay, uh, I think that's all we ought to move on because I've still got a couple of other areas to go. But anybody feel as though there's a, a Western they must mention? Okay, I'll take that as a no. Um, the other genre that is fairly new, and um, that is uh, sort of um, heroes by their demonstration of courage. I suppose the most recent one of that, and I haven't seen it yet, is uh, 127 Days. Now, you could argue that, that that's full on. It's, this is about, again, I hope this is not spoilish, but it's about a man who falls down a crevasse and his arm is pinned, and it's about how he survives this and it's the courage he shows so he's not being heroic in terms of saving other people it's uh, the courage and uh, and uh, courage for life i suppose that he shows uh, and another similar one but entirely different would be i suppose tom hanks in philadelphia where i think philadelphia is the right one where he's it's one of the first films that was made about aids and about how he had uh, a different sort of hero and courage to stand up for things. Um, I don't, I'm not sure whether I'm classing these in a particular way. Another one would be Cliffhanger, the um, the, the the mountain climbing one with Sylvester, Stalo- Sylvester Stallone. So uh, I'm talking about adventure ones. There's another one where they're climbing the Matterhorn with uh, with uh, Clint Eastwood. Um, uh, where there's a spy in the in the group, the Eiger uh, sanction. The Eiger sanction. I don't know if that should have been in the war ones or not. But these sort of uh, adventure type ones. Um, um, any anybody? Does that prompt anybody's memory for heroic heroic endeavours? I suppose I'm talking about as much as heroic people. If not, we'll brush quickly on. Charlie's that uh, are the the films that I've mentioned worth a mention for himself. Another one is McKinnon's Gold, which is an old uh, an old film uh, about again about a man who's dying of cancer. Um, it's the British actor I can't bring his name to mind at the moment, uh, but he inherits this gold mine, and uh, it gives him the zest for life, as it were, to go and mine it. But there's lots of obstacles about mining the gold rights of way and so on. It's played by the bloke who plays in Death in Venice. Mm. Dirk no, Bogard. I'm... Dirk Bogard. Oh, okay. Yeah, Dirk Bogard. Um, any uh, of that sort of genre of film, you know, where it's man against the element type of thing. Uh, there, there was um, there was um, uh, another film about um, Robert Redford, wasn't there? Uh, which wasn't a a big success, but it was one of his pet projects where he played a a bear-hunting man. You mean Jeremiah Johnson? Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah. uh, So I'm talking about that sort of man-against-the-elements type of uh, film. Uh, I mean, has anybody seen 27 Days or uh, wants to comment on that or the other ones I've just mentioned? Well, this girl, is that a sort of film you'd watch, you know, where it's... Heroism, almost for one's own self-preservation. 
Oh, yeah, there's something that's coming to mind, but I can't think of the title of it. <laughs> well, if you could describe it, we've got a few uh, um, reasonably yeah. good quiz guys in the room. Oh, it's a story about a man and his dog, and they go across the across Alaska. I can't think of the name of it. Is it? Is, hmm. No, it's not coming to my mind. Well, we think, uh, Darth, is this... Uh, an area that brings a hero to mind? Uh, I don't know too many things that are like this, really. Uh, hmm. You know, where, the, where the, the thing that's been overcome is not bad people, but either bad situations. Well, I suppose the other one would be the one... Um, the the ones that survived the air crash, that uh, you know, they're, they're thinking about cannibalism and that... Um, um, I suppose we should we should say Robinson Crusoe, shouldn't we? That's one we missed out. He would be the very first of this genre, wouldn't he? Um. Well, the very first is probably Jonah. I mean, you know, I don't know if right. it's pre-Christianity, but certainly within the Judeo-Christian tradition. It's well, Moby Dick. Jonah. Mo- Moby Dick. The, uh, kind of, but I mean, Moby Dick, though. I mean, you got to ask yourself: Is is you know Ishmael, or, you know, yeah. a hero? Is he actually a hero? I mean, heroic to be trying to kill a whale? Uh, is he obsessed? Uh, yeah. Right. Well, beyond being obsessed, yeah, is yeah. is the goal itself anything that we today would look at as at all noble? And I think the answer is no. He's not killing the whale for you know to eat the meat. He's killing the whale. Yeah, but as you say, because he's obsessed with doing it, just the act of killing, and that's not heroic. Well, um, okay, I've got two more then. Hmm. There's the old man the and the sea, the, the old man and the sea, and the other one is. Uh, oh God, it's just got out of my mind. Um, I'm just gonna, uh, I'll come back to it, but um, oh, I've written it down. And I can't even read my writing. I was trying to write it so quickly. Uh, I'll come back, but. What on earth have I written there? The Old Man in the Sea. Um, oh, let somebody else talk a minute. Uh, Willis, go. Was that you coming in? Cause I can't. Um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Sorry. Oh yes, oh, man. the other one was the Indian. The the um, the one where he rides the motorbike, where it's like a, a lifetime challenge. So whether you class that as. Uh, you know, a hero, heroic endeavor, and so on. Um, I think it's called the Indian, isn't it? He has a motorbike, and that That's is the, the world, An- An- Anthony. The world's fastest Indian. That's the name of the movie. Right. Right. Okay. Um, so uh, I think we've probably uh, about um, covered all those uh, areas. So um, one of the ones that was mentioned earlier on was uh, Sherlock Holmes, and, and, and I bypassed that. At the moment, so let me just play a little clip of that while we gather our thoughts. Hold on, before you do that, you are missing. A, well, go on. No, sorry, I'll stop. You, you are missing another genre, and that is the sport hero. Oh, uh, and and I definitely think you know I'd I'd class Rocky in there. I'd also uh, uh, class the um, Robert Redford character from The Natural. Yeah, good there. catch. Yeah. I'd also. Um, class since it's been made into a movie although it's a real person her brooks you know from the um the 
Olympic ice hockey team, the American ice, uh, was it Miracle on Ice, I think is the actual movie name. Um, but that's, that's somebody I've always admired, Sir Brooks. And, and the movie does, I think, an excellent job of detailing how that right. incredible, I mean, it is an incredible sports feat that still puts shivers down your spine. It's not just because I'm an American. It's because, you know, talk about David and Goliath. That is, it's honestly the biggest upset ever in sports history. Um, and how methodically you can win against a vastly superior enemy it, it was made for a very interesting tale. Um, so her Brooks, I would definitely class as a hero to emulate. Um, I think there was a, a British one like that, but it was a, about um, a, a race it's... jockey, a race jockey that had cancer. Uh, uh, you know, a real um, life race jockey. But I'm sorry, I, I don't really follow it. But uh, that uh, was uh, his uh, overcoming his cancer to win the, you know, the, the the big derby races. You know. Oh, I don't know that one. But speaking of British things, I mean, you would have to put chariots of fire into ah. into this uh, mix as well. Uh, sports movies, you know, uh, we don't... Obviously, that is well outside of what we usually cover on this um, mm. podcast. But, I mean, it, within this particular context, I think that they make for very compelling stuff if they're done well enough. And, you know, there have been a few exceptional sports films done, and I think they deserve to be highlighted. Yeah, and uh, we're not talking about the uh, the bobsleigh team from Jamaica, are we, in this one? Well, I don't know. I mean, that <laughs> it, you know, I think for a certain class of, uh, a certain maybe age of people or whatever, that is actually a really, it's a sound film. My there's kids nothing, loved it, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong structurally with how that film is put together. I don't know that it necessarily gives you enough character information on the, the individual people who are on the bobsleigh team to, you know, make any one of them your hero but the idea and, and the structure of the film it's better than a lot of stuff yeah yeah and vegan sani thank you puts it in text cool runnings cool runnings it is yeah um and I, I don't know i i can't necessarily think of anything beyond the ones that i just mentioned but there there are times and places where sports teams make for great drama well, Field of Dreams is uh, mm. not really a sports one, but it, mm. I suppose it's got a message. Charlie, can you bring any more to bear on this one? Um, I, I, my audio cut up for a little bit, so I, I don't know if everything got covered, but um, there's the know, I, I agree with the whole... What? As I say, there's the what mixed one, it? isn't there? There's the mixed one where we have that game of football played in a Nazi concentration camp with Sylvester Stallone. Uh, where well, victory. What's it called? It's called Victory. Just called Victory, was it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know whether they were... I suppose they made a moral... Um, you know, they kept the morals up by doing that. So I suppose that gave them something. Willis Girl, can you think of anything in the, the, oh. the sports genre? Oh, uh, Rudy. That was a great movie about oh, yeah. a little guy that uh, defeats the odds. What what sure. sports? I'm not familiar with that one. What sports? Oh, really? genre is... oh, oh, that was a football. It was a football uh, mm -hmm. picture. Yeah, this is what this is. Late eighties, I think. I want to say. Um, I think it was early nineties. Okay, early nineties. Late late nineties, mm -hmm. early. Well. Right. Well, I suppose we have to go back then to Black Beauty with the the fabulous Liz Taylor that's just died recently. 
in her first film. And uh, the comic actor that was with her, that's still alive, um, Charlie. You're I'm thinking just, of National Velvet, right? Not like... National Velvet. See, he gets bonus points for that. <laughs> National Velvet with uh, Liz Taylor and the little guy. Her, the one, her long-time partner. They they came, they grew up together. Let's do a play in your barn. Anyway, the point was National Velvet was uh, quite a heroic film, wasn't it? Because the, the the young girl ends up riding the horse, I think, doesn't she? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm just thinking that was the first of that time. We're, we're struggling. Uh, it sounds like uh, Charlie's having audio difficulties. Okay, well, uh, unless there's any complete... Let me just pick out uh, a couple of little cl- clips that... Um, We've, we we may have just skipped over. I was going to play the Sherlock Holmes one, so let let get that one done. Hello. It's okay that you've gone to the police. Who's this? It's you again. But don't rely on them. Clever you. Getting put up Carl Powers. I never liked him. Carl laughed at me, so I stopped him laughing. And you've stolen another voice, I presume. This is about you and me. Why? It's like nice. The sound of life, Sherlock. But don't worry. I can fix that. my last puzzle in nine hours. This time you have eight. Great. Found it. Okay, and uh, just as we welcome Kerry into the room, uh, Charlie P is having some audio problems. Um, just to recap for for Kerry and other listeners, um, we're we're concentrating on uh, heroes, not superheroes. We've gone through various different genres, one from wars, one from cops, one from westerns, one from uh, adversity and uh, sports. Um, one of the ones that we missed from our sort of early literary ones that we started with was uh, Sherlock. Uh, a different sort of hero in a way because he's getting feedback from somewhere uh, not sure. I'll, I might mute somebody in a moment. So, um, w- was it Willis Girl who said Sherlock was one of your heroes? Oh, yes, he was, yes. Yes, um, I like that. Uh, he was actually based on a real person. I believe the uh, guy's name was uh, Dr. Joseph Bell, who was a professor of Anthony, uh, <laughs> sorry, Arthur Conan Doyle, the um, author of the Sherlock Holmes books. And I, I like that... Uh, that since he was based on a real person, that maybe it, it is, uh, you know, probable that that that, that uh, a regular person could, uh, you know, do what Sherlock Holmes does if they were very extremely observant. Yeah, there was a young, uh, there was a series about that done here in the UK uh, about uh, 
based on the you know the 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 bell at Edinburgh University. Can't remember what it was called, but yeah. Who who's your favourite portrayer of Sherlock Holmes? Or do you prefer uh, reading the stories? Uh, my uh, current favourite right now is uh, Cumberbatch. Previously, it was the uh, oh my god, I'm drawing a blank to the Jeremy Brett. Jeremy Yes, him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But right now, uh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch Bunch is uh, pretty good. He, he's my favorite right now. Did you, Did you ever see any of the Basil Rathbone ones? Uh yeah, I did. Yeah, they, they were yeah. pretty good. If not yeah. kind of weird that it, it was set in the forties. Well, they got <laughs> suborned. They got suborned as part of the war effort. And they yeah. they move they move. Having said that, the Cumberbatch one is in in today's world, but they they seem to use it for propaganda purposes. Um, at the later ones, but there's no doubt about it. The the I think the the perhaps the biggest injustice, although Nigel Bruce I thought was a fabulous actor, but they did stupefy him somewhat over much. Um, of course, we know that with the current Cumberbatch, the uh, the chap who's playing um, Doctor Watson, who's now actually just started filming The Hobbit, which amazingly they seem to be making into two films. So, um, uh, how available is going to be? Uh, I believe that there's definitely three more Sherlock's. I'm not even sure whether there are going to be four Sherlock's in the next one, but uh, certainly the, the, there's a second group to come. So that's definitely one of your heroes. Any other detectives? Uh, I suppose, really, since I played Sherlock and, and were with you, are there any other de- detectives that you would class as hero? Not just clever detectives. I mean, you could say, I mean, I don't like Pryro, Pryro, or what you call him, uh, but you could say, obviously, he's a very clever detective. Um, mm-hmm. And Miss Marple's a very clever detective. But I wouldn't say they were. They're, they're not heroes. I mean, at least. Uh, uh, with uh, Sherlock Holmes, uh, I mean, especially with the Robert Downey Jr. Uh, impersonation of him, is a very physical and certainly, uh, you know, uh, as long as Watson's got his trusty revolver, they'll go into all these uh, dens of uh, iniquity and, uh, you know, opium dens and so on. So, um, any other detectives that you would class as a hero in that sense? And not Inspector Gadget and Danger Mouse, to speak. <laughs> I think she's a big fan of that. She'll have Roland Rat in there next, but go on. Um, I'm the only uh, one that's coming to mind isn't a movie character, but uh, Columbo. <laughs> right, right, right. But you would see him as a hero, not just a, rather than just a clever sleuth. I mean, there, there's well, the difference. Yeah, I think I would see him more as a clever sleuth than a hero, though. Right, right. Again, it's a bit more ambiguous. Let's just uh, check. Uh, Charlie, did you want to see how your audio is? Yeah, I can hear everybody fine. Okay. Uh, Detective Sherlock Holmes, which incarnation, and are there any other... I mean, do, would you include him as a hero? Uh, he's very smart. Um, I, I, he does heroic things once in a while, and so, yeah, um, I don't know, like, I'm trying to think, you know, like, I did, I did, in high school, didn't read a lot of, you know, the, um, so the short stories of uh, Sherlock Holmes, and then, yeah, before that, I got into um, some of the Basil Rathbone movie, movies, and then uh, Jeremy Brett after that, and then, you know, I've been enjoying 
uh, Benedict Cumberbatch um, as Sherlock Holmes. I don't know if anybody. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if anybody else comes to mind for detectives, but. Okay, Darth, do you want to mention anything on this? Um, we can move on but, if you want. I'm, I'm quite happy. Yeah, move on. I am not right. Okay, again, Sherlock Holmes totally not a hero. Right. Well, one area where we've been totally remiss up to this part is that we've been very male-dominated in our thing. So I'm going to ask you, while I play a little clip, to think of any female heroines. I should have used the word heroines as well as heroes, I suppose. So we're going to go concentrate. And I'm going to play a little clip from uh, Lara Croft as perhaps one example, But uh, whether you want to talk about Lara Croft. But please, put your minds to female heroines. Is yours now, Lara. You'll see now. Groomed by the elite. Have you ever heard of the clock of ages? It gives the possessor power of the people of the light. And trade, trade for combat. We can be partners. You might try to kill me. I'm not going to kill you. I said you'd try. Is Laura Croft? Laura Croft. Does one save the universe? Absolutely. Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. In theaters everywhere. I've got a couple more to mention when uh, they come up. Uh, but Willis Girl, you've remembered the name of that film, and then do you want to mention about any he- heroines you have? So, um, what's the film called? It was the one across Antarctica, uh, Alaska, was it? Yes, it, yes, it was called The Call of the Wild. Okay. It was really a book by Jack London, and the uh, one that I remembered seeing is the TV movie version with uh, Rick Schroeder. Right. Okay. Right. Heroines. Have you got any uh, female heroines that? Uh, I'm doing uh, and indeed, was go on. <laughs> oh, you can go ahead. I was just say, would Lara Croft be amongst those? But carry on. Oh yeah, Lara Croft would definitely be among them. Um, the other one that comes to mind would be Buffy from Buffy the uh, Vampire Slayer. But there are other characters within the Buffyverse, um, although, again, Willow, I think, would be probably ruled out, although you could, add, you could argue she's, uh, she's acquired her skills, um, uh, but there are other people that um, perhaps have her... I mean, I would say that uh, the Cordelia Chase character becomes a hero uh, I mean admittedly more when she moves towards the angel side because mm-hmm. she uh, but again then she becomes um, again spoilers but she takes on something to help her cope with these uh, messages from the uh, from the, the powers that be uh, that means she's not exactly normal as a person but she is shown and proved time after time 
uh, how she will stand with the others, um, even though she didn't have any specific uh, abilities to bring to the group, as it were, uh, through her loyalty. Um, so, I mean, we may go back to Buffy again, but uh, any other female ones you'd, you'd perhaps draw from? But whether, I mean, you could go all the way back to, uh, if you're going to go talk about real people, you, you could talk about Anne Frank, Maybe she wasn't heroic, but the fact she kept that diary and the inspiration and the insights that gave, uh, she's taken yeah. on the persona of a hero, hasn't she? Yeah, that's true, but I thought you were going more or less for fictional heroes. Well, yes, we are. We certainly are. I'm just trying to uh, to, to broaden out the base somewhat. Uh-huh. Is there any, I mean, I can... Horror. I got the smaller one, your horror from Star Trek. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. Yes. But again, normally she's a person doing her job. I mean, we've got to differentiate between an ordinary person doing an extraordinary job and and, and specifics where uh, they take on um, an heroic part to their character. I mean, we're going to, hopefully when we do get to the end, and tell me if, if we're over long here, we tend to run long on this show, um, when we talk about perhaps some of the minor characters that are not heroes in themselves, are heroines, but by one courageous act, they elevate themselves uh, into that genre. But, um, I mean, would you say why you would suggest a horror was? I mean, is there there a particular episode or film that you can point to and say, you know, she earned her stripes, as it were, in that? Um, actually, no, the truth is that right. I can't really uh, think of any, sadly, I can't really think of any female uh, heroes. Okay. I can't really think of female superheroes. Right, well, let let me play one, and then I'll go to one of the guys. And this is um, Sarah Connor, of course, uh, John Connor's mother, who, who who virtually crafted her body in uh, into a fighting machine, simply to protect her son. So let me play a clip. This is from the film where she's trying to escape. Son of a bitch! Let's all try to remain calm. Open it or he'll be dead before he hits the floor. There's no way, Connor. Let him go. Open the door! It ain't gonna happen. Take it easy, sir. Easy. It won't work, Scary. And I'll kill her. I don't believe you. You're already dead. Everybody, everybody dies. You know I believe it. Open the door. Open the door! actual fact you've got to admire the actress she did the 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 physical change to her own body to uh parallel the development of her character in which you know survival uh just to protect her son who who she believes 
is going to be the saviour of uh, the human race. So um, is, that, is that one that you, you perhaps now have mentioned it would include Willis Go? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, let me go around the room and uh, come back if you have any comments. Charlie P., uh, either of those two mentioned, um, the Lara Croft, Sarah Connor, uh, have you got any other heroines that, that we ought to include? Um, well, since you mentioned um, Sarah Connor, I thought of uh, Ripley from uh, the Alien series. Um, more, not really much the first one, but more the second movie, because that's you know that's you know another James Cameron movie. You know, it's an action-oriented film, and you know she does action stuff in that movie. Um, and since since you mentioned, we talked about um, detectives. I I thought uh, I I should mention. Um, Sally Lockhart, because I just actually watched a couple of those, you know, the, the Billy Piper um, TV movies that had Matt Smith, and I thought, you know, that kind of came to came to my head. So, but 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 being a hero as well as just being a clever detective, or well, yeah, well, she well she knows how to use a gun. <laughs> right, right, right. And we're getting some great suggestions from Vegan Sally. Slightly tongue in cheek, my might one be is um, uh, Dorothy the Wizard of Oz. Pocahontas, uh, and she's going to say Ripley as well, um, but uh, uh, perhaps seriously made. Uh, so, um, I mean, because it, it, we, we have been rather skewed towards uh, the male heroes rather than female ones. Um, anything else you want to mention uh, before? I mean, obviously, they don't have to be necessarily the lead character. Of course, Sarah Connor, although there was the Sarah Connor Chronicles later, but in the actual story as a whole, she wasn't the major character, but she she had to harden herself to take on those things. Uh, I haven't really got a good clip from the um, the, the aliens ones. I, I, I've got a clip of uh, of um, uh, 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 Sigourney Weaver talking, but I have played that one before, and it is a rather long clip to be playing at this stage. So let me go to Darth while you perhaps scratch your brain a little bit. Darth, female ones, we've been a bit remiss. A little bit. Uh, I tend to have a lot. They tend to be from political things, though, because I, I find myself immediately going to Laura Roslin from the Star Galactica series. I just think she's pretty much the best character in the whole thing, and she's definitely a hero. Uh, definitely very ordinary, definitely incredibly mortal. That's a central part of her character, so uh, I, I absolutely find things about her that are worthy of emulation, so therefore a hero, I suppose. Um, I, I would also, I'm surprised, did anybody say Princess Leia? I mean, uh, no, I don't think that's well, been. I mean, Princess Leia. Hello, that's uh, you know, yeah. uh, you know, in the last quarter century, that's probably the most dominant, uh, popular figure of a female hero that there's been. Um, and and I would also argue, as she's being developed within the Clone Wars uh, animated series, that you'd have to throw in Padme, her mother, into the mix as well. Um, at least I would. Uh, definitely there mm. things she's you know these are episodes of the clone wars and i don't know if it's a series that people in the room follow but these are episodes that a lot of star wars fans tend to criticize because they go into areas uh that people feel are not very warsy um you know because they deal with corruption in the senate or corruption on different planets or whatever and because of her political stature she's the one that 
comes face to face with whatever the problem is, but she inevitably ends up holding a blaster or having to, to rescue somebody, or even when she is captured herself, she becomes the person who frees herself, as we kind of saw in episode two, the movie episode two, uh, where she frees herself from that uh, big post in the middle of the arena. Um, and I, I really like her character. I've always liked her character. Uh, so, you know, uh, but again, I'm, I'm a guy who's really big into the prequels. So therefore I, I consider that I, I like her more than I like Leia, to be honest, but whatever. Uh, the, those are three people right there. And then, you know, taking from the West wing, CJ Craig, you know, I think she's, fabulous as a character and there's a lot to admire about her you know how she comes up through the ranks she goes from uh you know being basically just a pitchman uh, you know working at an advertising firm to becoming you know the the press secretary of the president and then eventually the chief of staff um so our first sort of fictional uh, uh female chief of staff that's been portrayed in television that that's interesting. Um, so yeah, I, I tend to like. I don't know why, but there are a lot of really good politically right. minded um, females who are, are are really interesting and very um, heroic. I think in a lot of things that they do. Well, if you're talking about that, then two I would mention, is, or three actually, I would mention is um, mm. there's the uh, the the one one from Siltwood, is it? Um, about the um, about. Uh, Dismissal, isn't it? It's about uh, women's rights or something. There's the Chinatown one, which is the uh, the reporter in the uh, is that um, you know the the Chinatown with uh, you think of China syndrome. China, China syndrome, syndrome. Thank with Jane And what would I do without you, Charlie? I don't know. And the other one is Cher in Mask, where she's fighting for her son. Um, yeah, I suppose. Uh, is it? But the other one is Silk Wood. Um, yeah, and I'm trying to remember the actress for that, the fabulous actor. The other one, of course, is, I think she's the same actress as in Selfish Choice, which uh, is a war film, which uh, uh, we we've covered over. And uh, without again being spoiler, that's the the woman that's uh, she's got the two children, and the situation is that um, she has two children, and the Nazi captain or whatever gives her the opportunity to save one of her two children. And this uh, decision that she makes haunts the whole of her life, that she has to give up one child in order to save the other. Uh, so that's... Uh, and, and dare I even say it, um, the, the biggest film of ever, Titanic, um, is, there, is there a hero there? Uh, the young girl, not the uh, there's Leonardo DiCaprio and the uh, the actress that plays the lead in that. I mean, she goes back into the water where the DiCaprio character's chained, and she rather than abandon ship, she goes back in to rescue him, and she 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 puts her own life in jeopardy to save Jack. Jack okay. <laughs> but the point is, she didn't abandon him to that fate, did she? That's the point. Um, 
So uh, she was heroic in her side of the bargain, wasn't she? Um, okay, well, I, I feel as though at least we've addressed somewhat that thing. Uh, I feel as though we're towards the end game here. Uh, let me just... Um, I don't really want to bring in anti-heroes as though we've mentioned them. Before. What about people... And, and let's bring in Dr... Well, actually, there's uh, one more let me just mention. And that is, uh, again, uh, Willis Girl, I think, mentioned survive um ensemble type ones the the uk series survivors was an ensemble one and in a way they were heroic because they were struggling against tremendous odds and i just play a clip of that while we all gather our thoughts as we're leading towards people who are not necessarily heroes throughout their storyline but perhaps have a heroic ending someone's coming it's really It's you lot. He says I'm heard back there. Yeah. Well, to me, I'm behind the wheel. But we need your help. Come indoors then. Meet my old lady. Good thing about the virus. Bar's always open. No breathalysers either. You fancy a real cup of tea? That would be me. <laughs> Just let me find the old girl. Daddy! Yeah. Where's the dog cow gone? Daddy! Where you been? Oh, sorry, Billy. Yeah, well, never mind that. we got company. You need to handle this lot carefully. They caused a ruckus up at Willis's place, and Smithson's got their mate down the mine, so keep them happy, all right? Where are you staying, Bill? No, because I spotted some kids on the road this morning. I don't want to let them slip away. I'll stop it there. And Willis girl seems to have just lost her audio, but, uh, I mean, th there's so many programmes like that, Survivors and... Uh, you know, uh, from Day of the Triffids and so on, where people are a little bit in the adversity camp. Uh, one person that I didn't mention, and I'm not sure whether we should mention this late on, but um, the Jason Bourne character. I don't know whether people would put him in the hero category. That was one that I was definitely going to mention. Uh, Willis Girls, Survivors, is that something you've seen? And is your audio okay again? might be having trouble so um any areas that we've missed out uh guys we we didn't really discuss batman uh very fully either and uh, we've got the uh the other ensemble one that i was going to mention is the uh the the firefly crew you know the crew of serenity and um also the stargate um group of characters that are trying to survive and there are individual acts of uh, uh, heroics within the thing and, and perhaps one more i should mention is um, of course uh, different characters in the doctor who world we've already mentioned adric uh, we can mention the brigadier we we played uh, we did the commentary on battlefield just recently on the cotton collective uh, and he showed his uh, bravery time and time again um the other ensemble one, uh, and let me play that because I've got a feeling we might just get uh, one more go at uh, Willis Girl in audio. Let me mention, I've got to mention it, and I'll just play a short clip of it. Um, the tripods where the three young boys uh, fight to overcome, you know, a really overpowering odds. 
stop it now. Well, this girl, how's your audio now? Um, I, I believe I'm back on. Oh, Can you excellent. hear me? Yeah, I've just been, I don't know if you could hear, but I've just done through a couple of ensemble ones. We're up to the not main characters now, but we're side characters, ensemble groups. I've played a bit from the UK version of Survivors, uh, which are people battling after the world has been... Uh, decimated more than decimated actually it's the opposite it's nine tenths of the world killed off not one tenth um we talked uh i mentioned uh, uh people like the ensemble uh of the ship uh, serenity that's the firefly group um there's the people on stargate universe on um the uh, the spaceship uh, again to adversary some of them are showing extremely acts of courage and so on um and also, of course, we, we want to bring in Dot 2 towards the end. So you could argue that some of the, the young characters, even in Sarah Jane Adventures, are showing uh, acts of bravery going up against, you know, quite titanic foes. And I mentioned, of course, the Brigadier. So that's a big thing. But I do feel that three and a, uh, two and a half hours with so few people on audio, uh, we don't want to ramble and rumble on. Um, so I'm adding all those things together. Individual acts of heroics who are not necessarily the heroes themselves. Um, any any that come to mind, either from series like you know Buffy, Angel, Firefly, Sarah Jane Adventures, Doctor Who, and so on. And that's mm. a big question. I realise. Yes, uh, none's coming to mind at the moment. Right. Well, we'll move on and come back to you, Charlie. Uh, no, I can't really think of anything. Okay, okay. Well, the, then when I come back to each of you, we might be the, at the done stage. Darth, have you got another line that we can follow or is there any of those that you can comment upon? upon? So an individual act of heroism. Yeah, where, where the person is right. not necessarily the hero, but, but by sacrifice. Uh, we mentioned Adric right at the beginning when Tim had to go. We mentioned... Adric, yeah, uh, I wouldn't put Adric in that, but okay, <laughs> I guess I. Can. Uh, but the one from Midnight, yeah. for instance, the uh, the the uh, the I cabin woman. From... Yeah, I suppose I can see her. I can also see like if we're talking just Doctor. I guess I can see Linda with a Y, from um, uh, Party of the Ways. Um, that's it's heroic. I mean, she doesn't actually achieve anything, but it's heroic because she of where she comes from. If you think about, you know, the fact that she comes from a largely vegetative society that is, you know, ground to a halt in terms of inspiration or, or taking risks and uh, that sort of thing, that in order for her to get to the point where she's going to face, I believe it's, I mean, you know, it's, they know in this society who the Daleks are. So, and, and they're a legend from the past, right, that, that the people of this world, of this earth, know exists. And so for her to say, okay, I am going to fight this legendary monster, I mean, that's, that's pretty heroic. And she does die without achieving much more than just saying, oh, the Daleks are coming. But, but it's still, you know, given the arc the character makes, I think it's fairly heroic. Um, I, I guess that there, you know, you'd have to say traditional heroism in terms of, um, you know, who is it? Robert McLeish, Robert, whoever's it, whoever owns the Torchwood House. Um, his final line of defense for the Queen 
that's fairly straight up oh, heroic. Yes. Yes, against um, the werewolf, yes. Yeah, and for that matter, you know, the Queen's Guard does her, you know, his duty. You might say that doesn't make him heroic, but there are a lot of people who have jobs as security men who don't actually, when the crunch is on, provide security, you know. Um, but he does, and that's, that's well, heroic. Even, he, yeah, even the young boy, the the really intelligent one that um, mm. has that school, um, and uh, he, he goes up to the Sontaran ship, doesn't he? The uh, sometimes at the end, at the end, he does, you know, become heroic at least with one act. So I guess that's something, uh, you know. And I think that you you tend to find this, especially in modern Doctor Who, where you know the the RTD mandate, which is still something that Moffat is hanging on to, of the Doctor makes people better, you know. And you're going to find a lot of people like this. Even Rose, you could say, you know, Rose at the end of the part in the ways delivers what I think is one of the most sort of heroic speeches in the history of Doctor Who, where she's trying to find a way to get back to the Doctor um, and, and trying to explain why that's so important to her. And you, you see the effect that the Doctor has had upon her. So I think Doctor Who is, is a show, by and large, where one of its tropes is the Doctor makes you better. And so there are a lot of people uh, who turn into incidental heroes. That is, you know, heroes of incident. Um, you know, outside of that, are you know, in a lot of different shows, you'll, you'll find individual acts of bravery because uh, that's that's something that makes for good drama. I, I think that you find, oh, you know, Spock in the Wrath of Khan. Come on, that's that is the ultimate mm. act of self-sacrifice. You know, he doesn't mm. know that he could. Well, I guess he does think that he can be ultimately. Resurrected because otherwise he wouldn't have implanted his Katra into McCoy. But at, but at the time, you know, he has no certain knowledge that that's going to happen. Even his father doesn't believe in in the search for Spock. The following movie doesn't believe that necessarily um, it's going to be possible to resurrect him. I mean, he thinks that it might be, but it's been a long time since this particular act of Katra reunification has been done on Vulcan. So therefore, it's nowhere near certain that. Uh, you know, Spock is going to return. So therefore, his act of heroism at the end of uh, Star Trek II is, I think, quite genuine. And we might say, okay, he's not he's not human, but he is a completely normal Vulcan. And that makes, you know, him not a superhero. He's just, you know... And I, and I kind of think that the Doctor is actually a hero because, okay, he's not a human, but he is, I think, largely portrayed as a normal Time Lord. You know, he's not, uh, that, with the exception of some dalliances by, you know, what's his name? Oh, Cartmel, Andrew Cartmel, the script editor of The Seventh Doctor. With, with exception from dalliances there of trying to make him more than just an average Time Lord, he is largely portrayed as very average, you know, and you find out, you know, that... He only barely passes exams after three attempts. So how extraordinary really is the doctor? Not that. So I think I think we could say that the doctor himself is is sort of heroic um, because you know given the norms that we have for that species, he's okay. And you know if you if you take that as your goal, then I think you could expand out and you could say, well, Superman's heroic. I mean, Cal L is heroic because he is the norm of his species, 
But you see other people in his species, and they don't act anything nearly as heroic as he does. They don't even understand basic right and wrong in a lot of depictions. Well, so, he, he, well there, like in Smallville, you mentioned it a week, mm, last week, was it? Uh, mm. The chap who's his father, his Earth father, uh, in the protection of oh. the young yeah, the young yeah, Clark. I mean, certainly within Smallville, I think that Jonathan Kent is a hero. So is Martha Kent. For that, Martha Kent especially, um, well... You know, not not giving away too much, but her her arc, her complete arc when all ten ser- series are said and done, is way heroic. And, um, Chloe, and Chloe, of course. Chloe, yeah. I mean, all even even Lana is is heroic in a lot of instances. Mm. Um, so a, again, that's where you know you have a central character who is essentially making other people around him better. Um, which is pretty much the Doctor Who thing. So, I think I think heroism of minor—I don't want to say minor characters, but of secondary characters—is is something that we find throughout fiction. And I mean, you can pick any show you want to, even the stupidest little comedy show. I was watching iCarly the other day. Don't ask me why, but I do like that show because it's a guilty pleasure. And. Um, you know, th- there was a moment of heroism between two of the characters on that. Um, I, I think you can find you can find heroism in the Brady Bunch. I mean, some of those very moralistic tales in the Brady Bunch involve one of the kids, you know, standing up to the parent or standing up to their older sibling and saying, "I did this thing wrong. Now I will accept my punishment." And that is itself, you know, an act of heroism because you don't know. You fear the unknown. You don't know what the punishment's going to be. So therefore, to admit that you were wrong, to put yourself in the line of fire of punishment is heroic. Um, mm. So heroism you can find all over the place, I think. Yeah. Well, what I would include, um, going back to the Buffy universe, is uh, the Xander character in uh, that, um, because he's, he, he's basically the heart of the thing. But um, he's one of the ones that uh, at least one of the climaxes saves the day, uh, and 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 by sheer um, nothing more than his presence, really, he comes to the fight with nothing, um, but prevails. Um, and and many of the companions. I mean, Sarah Jane Smith has shown her, uh, her metal in many times, more particularly so in. Uh, in the Sarah Jane Adventures, I suppose, recently. But um, I feel as though we could eulogise uh, about so many other, as you say, one-off events that, uh, that that we could perhaps take another half hour. And I don't really feel, I think it would undermine uh, the, uh, the heroes we've already mentioned. So unless anybody has a whole new raft of uh, areas to move on to, Anybody? Because otherwise, I think we will um, uh, bring to uh, one, and I have to mention because, um, and I'm just going to play a little clip, not for this, but this this might give you clues to why I'm going to mention it. This is Anthony Berg, Jessica Burke, and Christine Larson of the Mythological Dimensions of Doctor Who, and you're listening to the Cotham Collective. And I have to mention that because he will have to say you didn't mention Sam from Lord of the Rings who is, you know, uh, heroic in the, 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 well, quite a few of the other characters are, but Sam is heroic and 
I suppose the main character himself is uh, in terms of carrying the burden of the ring. But uh, there's so many. And, and again, I suppose in Harry Potter, there are quite a number of ones that are not endowed with the skills of Harry, uh, Jemima, uh, of Hermione, but they also uh, contribute and do their bit to, to save the day. Uh, but um, I think we're probably at a, a reasonably good point to end today's show. Um, just to give everybody a moment to have their final thoughts, let me just say that uh, thank you for listening. Uh, next Sunday, which will be our episode 92, we're doing a two-part one. We're discussing two UK science fiction series. We're talking about The Out- Outcasts and Marshlands. Uh, so that will be uh, next Sunday, the 3rd of April. In two weeks' time, on the, uh, the 10th of April, we're, uh, episode 93, we're talking about The Master. We're going back to Doctor Who in preparation for Series 6 starting. And then on the 17th of April, just a week before the new series starts, we're doing uh, another two-parter, but it's on the same subject. It's about being human. We're doing about the UK version of being human, the United States version of being human, uh, and we'll also briefly mention the becoming human, which started off as um, you know a red button, a little short series that's just recently aired as a single forty uh, odd minute program. And then hopefully the twenty fourth of April, one day after the first episode of uh, series six, the Impossible Astronaut has aired. We should be uh, doing episode. Series 6, Episode 1, with the just one caveat to that, there has been some rumours that the second episode of that two-parter may well actually air one day after on that 24th. So um, we we might just dance around that a little bit because um, that one, um, and I think it's called Day of the Moon, may air on that that exact day the 24th so but we wouldn't be talking about that because it wouldn't give time for people to watch it we would keep our conversation firmly on part one uh, the uh, impossible astronaut now given my comrades in arms plenty of time to think uh, i'm just going to go to them for their final thoughts uh anything they think they've missed out heroes willis girl any final thoughts um, no final thoughts. <laughs> no. Right, well, let me just read that Vegan Sally has mentioned Mickey Smith from Doctor Who as well. Um, uh, so thank you for that. Uh, um, Charlie? Uh, no, I think I got everything. Said everything I wanted to say. Okay, well, thank you again for taking part in the Willis Girl as well. Darth? Darth, are you still on audio? Any final thoughts? No, I think I am, like everyone else, all talked out. Excellent. Well, it's been a heroic effort from... uh, uh, We've had a large number of the people. We've had, obviously, on audio there for most of the show, Willis Girl, Charlie, P79, Darth, as you've heard. We've also had Logan, T. Jory. um, We've had a number of guests in the room and stayed all the way through. Very much... Thank you. Appreciated, Cy Bob. 
Uh, Vegan Sani uh, is back in the room with us. Uh, ben has been all the way through. Thank you, Ben. And we've had uh, Logan, guest 8, guest 11, Dave AC2, guest 10, Mick the Ascendant, guest 9. Randall Thorpe tried to get in but didn't seem to succeed. We've had apologies from uh, Ben Presenter and from Ian. And with that, this is Dave AC uh, playing us out and you're all heroes to me. <laughs>